Hello and welcome to Ghost Divers. This is Canada's premier anime podcast, um, and it is on Export Audio Network. I am your co-host Neve, and I'm joined by your other co-host Connor. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> welcome back. And also special <laughs> guest star, Autumn. Autumn Blake. I had like an intro bit, and I don't remember it now. Yeah. I was gonna do a joke, and I cannot remember it. Does anyone remember the joke I was gonna do? No. Damn it. Um, Hi, everybody. <laughs> and uh, you didn't, today, you didn't telepathically communicate it to us ahead of time. Yeah, we. You could have written it in the notes document right here. You could have said, "I have a joke," and written the joke out so that we would know. Yeah. That seems dumb, though. Yeah, <laughs> was that what the was that what that letter A was there for? Was that the placeholder? No, no. no. Oh. Um, uh, listeners, look forward to when in thirty minutes I remember the joke I was going to do and uh, do it. Okay, uh, I can just <laughs> we'll cut sure it out just and stop. then put it in here. Yeah. Okay. We'll be sure yeah. to stop everything once you remember it. <laughs> just, just like just exclaim loudly in the <laughs> middle it? of whatever we're talking about. Was it related to, <clears throat> so obviously we love our Canadian listeners. Thank you for making us number 220 um, in TV and movie. Um, but also, as always, we love our, our girls love loving long haul truckers. Yes, was it about the long haul truckers? Was it. it was, uh, I was honored to be here on behalf of all the Yuri loving truckers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shout outs to, uh, all the Canadian Yuri loving truckers. That that was it. Thank you. Actually, okay. that was literally um, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, driving through the Yukon, listening to our podcast. Um, I'll make sure to clip that out and put it at the front, so no one will hear this. Def- I'll definitely do it. I'm definitely going to edit this, and it it'll just be seamless. <laughs> um, today we are covering. Adolescence of Utena, also known as, uh, this is the like literal translation of the Japanese title, Revolutionary Girl Utena, Adolescence Apocalypse, um, and then also when it was first localized in 2001, I think they just called it Revolutionary Girl Utena, the movie. Um, and it is the, the movie of mm. Utena. So that is still a title. <coughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, aren't they all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and before we go any further, I, I have a little thing planned. Um, so I'm gonna have to switch my mic over to something real quick. So that part will be weird for you all maybe. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play something right here. Um, let me just change this input device. See, Autumn, I told you it was a block of wood. Question two, would your reading of the show be different if the whole show was actually cars being magical girls instead of characters named after cars? Not Um, not at all. (laughs) None whatsoever. If only we would uh, be doing some sort of anime that might include some section where cars are magical girls and magical girls are cars. Um, anyway, yeah, no. If that was the only change, I would still be like, yep, this is still a great show. <laughs> That's all it would takes. Would it still be your favorite show? Um, probably. If everything else yeah. was the same. Yeah. Imagine if, imagine if Rare Earth was just like Rare Earth, but also Redline. 
Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, you'd fucking love that. <coughs> um, Connor, how are you doing on shitty light beer reviews? Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I don't have any to review right now. Um, <laughs> okay, if hopefully you that... Are, that, oh. th- that came through. It was pretty okay. quiet, but that came through. Um, okay, yeah. Are we getting requests for shitty light beer reviews? No. <laughs> I I tried to remember exactly when it ended, because the way that this works, I could not hear what I was playing for you all. Um, it was a weird situation, uh. so hopefully I ended it at the end of the bit. I, I will like slightly edit this if I need to when it, we do post. But, you edited um, it at, uh, Connor, have we got any shitty re- light beer reviews or something like that? So. <laughs> you just went yeah. like a smidge too long on... Um, Ray Earth, but Red Line. Um, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't believe we guessed what this movie was going to be. <laughs> I had to listen to that conversation and just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be really crazy. Man, if only we were going to do something like that next. Um, yeah, definitely. There's definitely nothing where a magical girl turns into a car. <laughs> um... Anyway, <laughs> do we want to do the synopsis? Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to try and do this one together. I did not write it out because I had a migraine earlier today. Synopsis by committee. Um, yeah. So I think, how about I just read the one off of Wikipedia and then we just editorialize? Yeah, I think yeah, that's that a good way good. to go. That's We've sometimes done that a little bit with um, Second Gig that we are also recording around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's worked. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Utena Tenjo, uh, a new student at Otori Academy, now with short hair, tours the school with classmate Wakaba Shinohara. Uh, she observes a fencing, uh, fencing match between students uh, Juri Arisugawa and Miki Kaoru. Uh, encounters her ex-boyfriend Toga Kiryu. Um, We're gonna circle back to that point. <laughs> yeah, that might that might come up later. Um, and discovers I want to say it's kind of unclear the re- previous relationship Utena may have had with Toga for a lot of the movie until like the scene later where you find out what happened to Toga. <laughs> yeah, having um, yeah. having read this plot like once before we started the podcast, it. It does have the summary. It kind of like takes some things that are maybe subtle or debatable and just like assumes. Yeah. 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 Um, There's a little bit of like TV tropesing of the plot of this movie, which is like very like up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you mentioned TV tropes, we are going to be uh, banned from (laughs) abnormal mapping. Um, So, uh, Utena encounters her ex-boyfriend or, uh, you know, childhood crush, Toga, um, and discovers a rose-engraved signet ring, uh, identical to the one that he was wearing, uh, after their encounter. So she kind of, she finds it in, like, a rose garden, um, a white rose. Like, yeah, a white rose, like, yeah. And drops and, like, it to her hand. As, like, a water droplet, basically, out of the rose. Um, mm-hmm. Here's um, a little gift from a white rose to you. <laughs> um so after getting the uh the ring she wanders into a uh this elevated like platform that's also a rose garden um and meets Anthe Himemia uh who we learn uh is the sister of the school's absent chairman Akio Tori. Um 
she uh there's some discussion about the the rose signet ring uh and then this guy uh Kyuichi Sayonji uh a student also wearing a rose ring uh who calls Anthea the rose bride sees Utena's ring and challenges her to the to a duel um after uh you know uh grappling Anthe and just acting in a generally deranged manner um, yeah prompting Hits Utena- her yeah, it hits her, uh, prompting Utena to like want to defend Anthe. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Utena doesn't have a sword, and Anthe's like, "You can't do without a sword." Uh, but she picks up like a bamboo stick, mm-hmm. and then starts fighting Sayonji. Um, Sayonji like just absolutely destroys the stick, um, and disarms Utena. And then when uh, he's about to just like kill her with the sword apparently um anthe like jumps on her uh pushes her out of the ring uh and um like saves her from being um saves her from being killed and also uh gives her a sword from her chest um later that night anthe visits utena's dormitory and attempts to initiate sex with her uh but is rebuffed um Probably talk I feel like this later. scene is a little bit more complex than than this. Yeah, maybe slightly. Yeah. Um, when Utena questions Anthe about the duel in the rings, Anthe responds that the rings mark their bearers as duelists, uh, that she's betrothed to whomever is the victor of the duels, and that whoever possesses the Rose Bride has, quote-unquote, the power to revolutionize the world. Um, elsewhere, Juri's childhood friend, Shiori uh, Takatsuki, tells Toga that as a child, her prince died attempting to save a drowning girl. Um, they receive a phone call from Akio, who says that Anthe is a witch who made uh, the Lord of the Flies into a prince. Um, but when her We're magic- going to circle back to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lord of the Flies, I think, in the, like, you know, mm-hmm. more, more general, like, religious sense and not in the, like, reference to the William Golding novel. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but, the Wikipedia uh, page specifically links to Beelzebub. Yeah, I just very quickly. I'm very glad that I'm listening to y'all's episodes on the series right now because I forgot that um, Akio literally says like, "Yeah, my name is like derived from like Lucifer in some way." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I forgot that's part of the series as well as this film." Okay, good to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we we might we might circle back to that too. I feel like literally every sentence of this plot of this plot summary we're going to end up talking about in, in more detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so Akio says Anthea's a witch who made the Lord of the Flies into a prince. But when her magic faded, the prince returned to his true form. Uh, the duels are organized in an attempt to reactivate her magic. Um, kind of vague, but I guess yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you could take that from this. Um, yeah. Juri, who is manipulated by Shiori into dueling Utena, uh, is defeated after witnessing Utena seemingly transform into Anthe's prince, um, who we'll recognize as like the figure of Dios from the, the series. Yeah. Um, the school's broadcasting club, also the um, the uh, shadows. Shadow yeah, the go shadow guy, play. Go guy, go guy, <laughs> go guy, go guy, go guy. Um, the the shadow play has now turned into the school radio. Um, so the school's uh, radio rece- uncovers a video that suggests that Anthe was previously drugged and raped by Akio. 
Um, Akio's corpse is found buried in Anthe's garden shortly thereafter. Um, I think what happens is because it's like in the schoolyard where his body's found. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what happens is that it's uh, in the scene where Anthe like breaks the water valve in the rose garden and floods the garden and all the roses are like flooding over the side. I think the implication is that like his corpse like falls down into the courtyard. Um, right. This this plot synopsis is skipping past the musical number. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, they, there's, there's where they dance while his corpse just like floats up from the ground and then off the ledge <laughs> of the groves garden. Yeah. <laughs> um so um anyway, um his body his body is discovered uh shocking the school with the revelation that he is long dead. Uh a second video uh, I don't know if it's a second video or like an extension continuation continuation yeah. of the first like because, for the revelation because specifically um i forget who who's holding it is it shiori um, yeah but then like the the you know radio the shadow players are like it's that video that we had so yeah you know, it just seems like it's extending it um and it's like the exact same scene and the like same framing so um yeah but anyway um a second video depicts Anthe lucid during her rape, uh, which prompted a panicked Akio to stab her and then accidentally fall out of a window to his death. Um, Utena searches for Anthe. Uh, after this is revealed, Utena searches for Anthe um, and finds Toga. Uh, she suddenly remembers that Toga is the prince referenced by Shiori, uh, the one who died while saving Shiori from drowning when they were children. We get kind of an uh, extended flashback here. Um Utena, uh, Utena's eyes well the- tears. She thanks Toga for being her prince. Uh, and the plot synopsis says he vanishes, but the room, the like glass encased room that he's standing in fills up with water. And he well, like, and also this skips over the fact that this ha- takes place in the, the elevator from the black rose. The black rose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. They like ride the just- elevator down together and then they like uncover this. Yeah. And we get, um, like, Toga kind of in the position of uh, Soji, like, interviewing Utena a little bit and asking mm-hmm. her about things. But then it's revealed that, like, there's this wall of glass between them and they are separated. And then that, you know, Toga's his side fills like up with water. Of her, yeah. And yeah. Toga's like a figment of her memory or imagination or something. Yeah. Um, Utena then uh, finds Anthe um, back in the Rose Garden. Um I'm going to I'm going to add a detail in here. Um Anthe like uh t- uh I can't remember which way this goes, but either Anthe touches Utena Anthe takes Utena's hand and brings it to her chest to like pull out the the sword um and Utena says no, pushes the sword back into Anthe's chest and tells her they should go to the outside world. Um upon which Utena is swallowed by a gigantic car wash and metamorphosed into a car. Um, Anthe enters the car. Uh, I'll also add, you know, the car starts to rust and fall apart. Um, and then Anthe discovers the key to the car in her hand. Um, so Which was the, the key that Akio was frantically searching for before he, um, like, stabbed Anthe and killed himself. Or yeah. accidentally or it's related. Yeah, it's related. Because Akio is yeah. looking for the key to, like, his own car. But he says, without a key, 
a car will rust away and and disintegrate. Um, but you know, this is the the key to Nintendo the car, um, which Anthe has. Um, so there might be some meeting there. Um, and uh, Anthe enters the car, drives it away from the academy. Um, there uh, ensues a kind of Mad Max uh, final sequence, or, or Red Line, if you prefer. Or, a, uh, yeah, Red Line, perhaps. Um, <laughs> uh, as a note, Red Line was also written by the same person who wrote this movie. just want to put that oh. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and uh, Anthony driving Utena is chased by um, a, a kind of a series of... It encounters a series of antagonists. Um, first, Shiori in car form. Interesting. Um, then a just kind of fleet of like um, faceless, nameless black uh, drones. <clears throat> um, the synopsis says tanks, but they're kind of um, there. Ultimately, is a tank, but there's also just like a bunch of cars um, that are swarming. Um, uh, as uh, they're about to get crushed, Anthony is assisted in her escape by Juri, Miki, Sayonji, and Wakaba, um, who are riding the uh, They car. don't mention here that Wakaba is a car. <laughs> oh, even even I missed that. Um, yeah, Wakaba's the car. Okay, Yeah. good catch. Uh, um, they just skip over that in the synopsis. They're like, yeah, Shiori's a car, and Utena's a car, but let's not mention that Wakaba is also a car. Interesting. Um, um, also, you noticed, uh, Autumn, that... Um, Kozue like appears as a car early in the the movie too. Yes, um. there's a bit early um where someone asks Miki why he's doing this and there's a license plate that says Kozue, Kozue. like yeah. that <clears throat> drifts past him. Um so yeah, so this the the crew riding on Wakaba the car um kind of attaches like a bungee to um your tent of the car <laughs> And uh, pulls them out of danger. Uh, they um, they then have to drive. Uh, uh, Anthony and Utena have to drive underneath the castle of Eternity, which is now transformed into a gigantic um, tank-like or uh, you know freighter-like uh, vehicle. Uh, they drive underneath it, um, dodging all of the tires that are you know trying to crush them. Um, and then at the very end, as they're about to escape. Uh, an apparition of Akio attempts to stop Anthe, um, but she rebukes him, um, runs him over, in other words, um, in a burst of roses. Um, yeah, his like body explodes into roses, and um, Utena is like no longer part of the car. It's just like the frame of the car that they're riding on. Um, and at the end, uh, Utena and Anthe emerge, uh, riding the remnants of the car, the frame, as as you said. Um, and uh, kiss as they drive into a gray wasteland. Um, we also missed another part that I think is really significant. I don't remember exactly where this comes up, but there's the part where um, there's like in the class of so, like you're supposed to draw each other. I was I was gonna say this is like right smack in the middle. This is um, what prompts the uh, broadcast club to find the videotape. Yeah. And this is like maybe the most important scene in the movie that the synopsis <laughs> skipped over. So, but I didn't want to like 
open the discussion there because it is also at like the 45 minute mark of a 90 minute movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they like Utana trying to catch up with Anthe for a while. They finally go up to um, some high place. That's like kind of suggested to be the planetarium or something like that. Yeah, um, I think it is. Yeah. And then um Utena's just drawing Anthe like the way that you normally would probably, if you had a class project to draw your like pair up into pairs and draw your, you know, your friend where it's just the person wearing their clothes sitting there and you're Utena sketching. Um, and then they switch and Anthe's like, well, you should like get naked and show me everything basically. Um, and Utena does. And then Anthe's drawing. And then Utena's like, it's kind of unfair that like, I have to do this and you're not going to like show me everything. And then Anthe, we in silhouette takes off her clothes and we see like a, we can see the light of like a hole through her chest where her heart would be, um, of like a, like a giant stab wound. Um, and then this is like what prompts the hole. Go guy, go guy, go guy. We find a tape. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, I think the sequence is like, um, there's, so there's the, um, like, the scene where the Rose Garden gets flooded, which is, like, Utena goes and attacks Anthe, um, because she's like, oh, you know, did you have sex with Toga? Is that why Toga was weird? Like, is that why Toga started becoming weird and, like, abandoning me? Um, because, and there's this prior conversation about, like, oh, Toga, have you won a duel? Because winning a duel means that you've, you know, that you've had sex with Anthe or whatever. So Utena goes, finds Anthe, kind of, like, attacks her, uh, upset about Toga, and then um, Anthe, like, they end up just, like, essentially cuddling in the garden. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's when Anthe, like, uh, because Utena knocks the watering can out of her hand, um, Anthony just like hacks the the water valve with a with an axe um, and floods the garden. And then she, when the garden is flooded, like Akio's, and then there's the dance scene. Um, and then I guess like Akio's corpse falls uh, to the courtyard. Um, and then after the whole like corpse scene is when there's like the drawing class. And then the, the yeah. this whole this drawing class scene occurs. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's another important scene to get in before we like try and start talking about what what's happening in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do we want to try and like? I think maybe a good place to like start the actual discussion is to like talk about like how does this movie relate to the series? Like, yeah, because it is not just a like recap movie by any means. Yeah. I and I the think ways I, that it relates are ambiguous and interesting. I think. Yeah, this is a thing that I think I said it in slightly different ways to like both of you, but like there there is debate over whether this is um, its own like strange retelling of the series or if it's literally a continuation of like the final episode happens and then this is almost like another arc um like another saga of the the um 
the show. And I think like for, for me, I guess I lean a little bit in that way, but also in the way of like the entire structure of the show is like three kind of loops where there's like a repeating of action, but then also like a weird continuation of action as well, where people are like entering into the next loop with knowledge of what happened before. Um, And I'm using loop because there is like this, like very TV tropes, reading of like oh here's the like metaphysics of how this world is working and it's like actual time loops and blah 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 and like i'm not really interested in that but i am interested in like the symbology of there's sort of a, a looping pattern of duels that continues to occur throughout the series and that this coming after the show and being this continuation um and this continuation that has stuff that seems to suggest um, that it, it is like coming after or, or following the events of the show, including things like Akio's betrayal or um Anthe's betrayal of Akio as a thing that like occurred and is now figured in a different way. But like, you know, the the end of the show is Anthe walking out, leaving Akio behind, and kind of betraying him in that sense, um, and saying, "I'm going to go find Utena," um, and also exhibiting this far more like uh forceful and um like more mm-hmm. willing to like actually speak her mind which we also see this anthe is like has more of that personality that we see at the very end of the series so i kind of read this as a continuation of the series but also it's this thing of like the ambiguity or the tension between that is also part of the point of it to me i guess mm-hmm. um yeah <clears throat> yeah i'm oh go ahead I was going to say, like, I think because of the ways that Anthe is different and, like, seemingly a bit more in control of things, I think I just read this as a sequel to the show, you know? Um, yeah, like a narrative continuation, you mean? Yeah, I yeah. think I just read this as following from the events of the show, just in, like, not the way that maybe the show expects you to, uh, you know, sets you up to expect. But, like, I think I just read this as a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, and there's I'm, also a certain amount of, like, even if it isn't, like, a, a direct literal sequel, there's also the fact that, like, I don't know how anyone would watch this movie without having this seen the show and have any fucking idea what's happening. Because so much wouldn't. of this just, like, relies <laughs> on you understanding the characters and understanding dynamics um, and everything. And so if you just watch this, like... This is the first you kind of thing I'm doing. You'd be like, "What the fuck is happening? Like, like what? Who are yeah. these people? Why? What? It? What is going on in this school? Like, why is any of this happening?" Um, whereas you watch it after the show, and you're like, "Oh, okay. Like, I understand different things that are 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 occurring here, and it's like intentionally playing with the way that it is also reconfiguring things or changing things." Yeah, you you wouldn't be able to understand it. Like, uh, I'll just go. I'll, I barely I can, understood it. <laughs> yeah, like I'll I'll venture to say like th- it's impossible because the the film itself is so like the film itself plays with like obscurity and like uncertainty. It's kind of kind of like you're getting at um, in. And, and this kind of play on obscurity and uncertainty was present in the series. Um, but I think it's like escalated, uh, in the film. Um, and one of the ways that happens is you have like a, um, this extreme density 
of like symbolism um and uh like signification um mm. around the various like aspects of um themes and characters that are established in the show so like there's this massive amount of obscurity and um lack of development like for example the miki and kazue plot in the film there's what like, oh my gosh 60 <laughs> seconds like 120 yeah. seconds of that yeah that is like just packed with a lot of like s- like significance that is evident mm-hmm. um and like shrouded also in like uh darkness and obscurity um in a way that like would be impossible to decipher if you didn't have um you know the the prior like context of of the series um like if you just take the 120 seconds of Miki and Kosue mm-hmm. content in the film um like these characters mean nothing to you unless you've seen the show yeah. it's impossible to make sense of that <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, I just remembered another thing as we're talking about how characters appear in this. Uh, there's one other important moment that we was not included in the plot synopsis and that we forgot to mention, uh, but I that I am honoring with my uh, drink of choice tonight. Uh, so what I'm drinking as I'm recording this is New Glarus Spotted Cow. Um, the only blemish on this uh, <laughs> movie for me is the fact that they do Nanami dirty by only having her appear as a cow as a like funny bit before they actually get into the important part of the video. They put it in the video and we mm-hmm. can just like get a thing about Nanami being a cow first. Um, this is yeah. also the only appearance of Choo Choo, which is yeah. a fucking disgrace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is like that. That is a little bit weird. Not to go on like a super tangent here, but. We talked about the comedy and the and the balance um, in the series, and while it is refreshing to like have some comedy, have some of that like present in the mm-hmm. film, um, it's it's really odd to have like the framing of it is in the sequence is very odd because it's like um, you know we have the school radio station being like. Oh, we, we finally, we've got a video that's this like, you know, scandalous, um, expose of the, the chairman. And then it's like, it plays the comedy video of Nanami, like as a cow. And then (laughs) it's like, oh wait, no, 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 that's not the video. Here's the actual video. And it's like Akio raping Anthe. Yeah. Um, there is like a little bit, uh, you know. It, it's a little odd, um, yeah, to say the least. I don't know if it really um, balances or coheres in the same way, um, but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'll feel differently at the end of the discussion. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess my my charitable read is almost a like wink and nod to the way that we talked about this some um, um, in like some of the last episodes that we we hit maybe the like otari akio saga of the the way that the show like uses those comedy bits to actually like uh set you up or like prime you for some of the heavier topics by like starting by introducing them to you in these like more goofy one like the the incest stuff that gets very dark towards the end of the series first kind of gets introduced with like Tsuabuki and Nanami and Toga and like, oh, Tsuabuki wants to be the cool big brother. 
Yeah. Right. Um, and then that, that builds up. And then they here they just like absolutely smash between the most comedy version of it to like the most um, literal Stark. depiction of like, no, here's just Akio putting the like the pills in Anthe's wine to try and drug her and rape her. Um, so I think there's like a certain amount where they're, they're still gesturing at that, but also it does place weirdly. And I, I like, I love Nanami a lot. And so I wish they just did more with her here than having her just be cow form, but also like being a cow seems like a good life. (laughs) (laughs) All things considered here. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other thing I will say about um, Nanami in this movie (coughs) is that, like, and I haven't listened to your episode about the apocalypse stuff um, yet, so I don't know where you all ended up on Nanami at the end of the series, but, like, in that final episode, she seems kind of done with this whole thing. Like, she's coming to Utena and saying, like, just walk away. Like, the Rose Bride and the End of the World both are trying to trick you. You should just get the fuck out of here. So, like, it, I could maybe imagine Nanami just got out, got the fuck out. She, yeah. You know? She's yeah. just like, no, fuck this. I'm I mean, done. She, she was pretty happy as a cow. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. The only, so, or maybe uh, the only Nanami that's left is the uh, cow that Antheons. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Or, or, you know, um, this new, more like willful, um, more um, in control version of Anthe is just like, no, I'm going to keep tormenting Nanami. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> that's, just that's, like fully leans into torturing <laughs> Nanami. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's dark, but uh, yeah, maybe fitting for the tone of the film. <laughs> the um, darkest timeline. So, <laughs> um, so okay. Returning to our discussion before the tangent. Um, yeah, I I'm pretty firmly in like in the same camp as you two. As far as like, I think this is, I think the film is a narrative continuation of the series. Um, and I have a, like a few reasons why. Um, Autumn, I know you haven't listened to our um, our final lieutenant, um, the like mm-hmm. apocalypse saga episode yet. Um, but um, Neve, as you and I discussed, like so much of my reading of the ending of the series has to do with um, again this idea of like. Um, cyclical time and like uh paradigmatic like modes of existence so like um this paradigm that they're struggling against um throughout the the series um this paradigm of like the rose bride um that has all of this like mythic content around it um all of these rituals um that like everyone in the series is um, trapped in and forced to just like, um, like within the world of uh, the uh, Atori Academy, um, everyone is like trapped in this um, paradigm where they're forced to reactualize um, this kind of like same cycle over and over again. Um, and yeah. the end of the series involves. Um, Utena, you know, opening the rose door, 
um, behind which is eternity. Um, and being able to like access this space is the power uh, in, in one like framing that the show provides um, is the power to revolutionize the world. Um, but it's literalizing like uh, gaining access to this mm-hmm. kind of like mythical para- paradigm that's undergirding um, existence. Um, and my reading of this is, you know, is what happens is uh, like the paradigm of the Rose Bride um like it crumbles like it's disintegrated um to like create or open a new possibility um and that's kind of where the series ends um with like the disintegration of um of this paradigm that they're struggling with um and going along with this like when we get to the film we see the academy is like completely changed it's like blown apart um it's like an mc escher like yeah in motion as frank stares in this movie (laughs) 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 yeah like it's completely fragmented the architecture like the academy itself is like shifting around constantly um it's blown apart like some parts are in ruins um the observatory we see it like once or twice appears to be like um decayed or in ruins um and like the world itself is like reflects this kind of like fragmentation and disorder um but like going along with the logic of um of the show which presents this kind of like um cyclic form of existence um we like a lot of these same events are repeating, uh, but now mm-hmm. within this new context, where like this former paradigm is um, disintegrated or like destroyed somehow, um, and this is like a um, kind of a new cycle has been initiated within like um, this new context of uh, you know um, the the like. Uh, this paradigm not being present or being like disintegrated somehow. Um, so I, and, and I have like more ideas about how this resolves um, later on, but that's how it makes sense to me that like, okay, yeah, we get this kind of like cyclic repetition. Um, but so many it's cyclic in the sense that like the substance of love, the events are repeated, um, but the significations and like the exact specifics of um a lot of the like um content of the world has like shifted um because like this um paradigm paradigm of existence has like um been like stripped away or thrown into disorder somehow yeah um and connor i don't know did you listen to the the bonus episode that autumn and i did i i did not not yet okay um, one of the things, one of the things that I say there that I think I'm also going to like repeat within this, um, I, I phrased it in a different way and it was just, this is like a way that Autumn and I have talked about things. So I immediately jumped to it in a way that I wouldn't necessarily in talking with you, Connor. Um, but I talked about how I kind of view, um, Utena is a thing that like, I'm going to use this term, which is a term I don't use lightly. It is Lynchian in that, um, 
there is reality and there is unreality. And um, those things are both like intention and in conflict. Um, and the, the point is not to resolve it um, towards mm-hmm. like, ah, here is the, the like fully allegorical real reading of like, no, none of this magic shit is happening. It's literally just about like, uh, girls being abused and like you know all these people like all these kids being abused by adults specifically Akio and like breaking out of that cycle of abuse or like you know trying to free themselves from from this like terrible groomer and rapist and like mm-hmm. help each other out and it's also not you resolve it to the like you know this is the part that I'm like even more contemptuous of the super TV tropes of like well let's explain the metaphysics of the world here's how like time works in Utena let's try and like explain it as a the way that we would like explain sci-fi concepts in Star Wars or something we're also like Star Wars is not about how does the warp drive work the Star Wars is about like no we just need to get them over there now <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. Like this, like almost like taking uh, conventions of narrative that exist to tell stories and completely collapsing it down into that. Um, and then there's like all the space in between that that ties into the stuff that you're talking about, Connor. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but also I think some of that in between is like if we are telling a story that is about um, like these girls trying to help each other and help each other escape like bad situations. Um, I think also the read that you gave also sort of ties into you. I, I think this is a, especially when we get the stuff like this, I feel like it's often good for us to get out. Like, what do we think is generally happening? <laughs> in Let's just talk about movie. our final reading of the ending. Yeah. And then we <laughs> yeah. can, and then we can go back and talk through things. But like, sometimes I, mm-hmm. I just feel like if we don't do the big reading towards the beginning, then it makes it hard to go through those little things and be like, well, why are we different, different, like, how, why are we reading these things differently? Well, it's because of our final take, but we still haven't just said our final take. So, yeah. right, right. For me, what I think is happening in this movie, and uh, right after we watched this, you and I were briefly talking, Autumn. Um, mm-hmm. And we, I don't know if yours has changed, but we had like somewhat different readings, which I, I think is exciting and fun because I also think like the possibility of different readings is something that it is, um, again, if like Utena is taking this like, Lynchian mode. I think it is also potentially because it wants to provide images and symbols and ideas um, and let people like draw things from it rather than fully prescribing. Here's everything that's happening. Here's like what you should be taking from it. Um, Can I interject very briefly? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because like, yeah, I want to like, you know, expound on like you and I had like totally different takeaways from this movie. Um, when I've been thinking about this movie, like, between last night and today, like, and yeah, I don't ever describe stuff as Lynchian, because I think that is, like, a dumb term that doesn't mean much, but, like, I use it here because the way that I've had to, like, think about this movie, um, as I was watching it, I could feel, like, the urge to try and figure out what literally is happening, like, you know, where are people in this space? How does, you know, this space, like, make sense? And it doesn't, you know, like, the school does not make sense. Um, and so, like, the way I have to, like, think about this movie, which is not something that, like, most movies ask of you, is like, okay, what is the image I'm looking at right now? Like, I've been kind of, like, watching the movie a little bit as we've been talking um, quietly. And, like, you know, 
I just have to like take in one image. Like, what is this image trying to say? Okay, what does the next image say? What is like, how do those two things relate? And you just have to go through 90 minutes of movie like in that mode. And it's like exhausting and also exhilarating because nothing ever asks you to do that. So, yeah, Um, this is the quietest that you've ever been when we've watched a movie together. (laughs) I was... It was so funny. For the first, like, 20 minutes, I was hooting and hollering when the shadow players show up. I was like, oh, yeah, those are my gals, you know. And, like, at about the 20-minute mark, like, right around the time that Utena puts on the rose seal, um, I was, like... I was, like, starting to think, like, what is Utena's motivation here? And as soon as, like, that question hit me, I was just, like, in silence, my brow furrowed for, like, the next 70 minutes. <laughs> and you were, like, making little jokes and jotting yeah, notes I've down, and I before. was just, like, I was, like, not responding to you. I was not listening to you. I was, like, all right, I've got to, like... You were just dialed in. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I... I guess just to like do my little read here of what I think is going on, um, how I'm like reading the the overall, what is this about what's happening in this movie um, is that I, again, I do see this as like a direct continuation of the show and the show ending with Anthe being like, I'm going to go out and find Utena. Um, and it kind of being this thing of like, Anthe is now trying to free Utena, um, is trying to free like Utena from this like new situation that U- Utena is in. Um, and I, I think symbolically what is happening here is basically all of the princes are dead except for Utena. Um, you know, th- this is like kind of an important reveal throughout it is like all of the other princes are already dead are, are perhaps like things that people are holding on to, but that are, are, um, just, like both physically and then Only also the end. imaginary yeah. form. Um, mm-hmm. And except for one, which is, so one, there's like some reference to Juri being the prince. Um, but then very quickly, like Utena becomes the prince um, within like the, like mm-hmm. people refer to Utena as the prince. Um, and it is important in this, like, I, I think there's important stuff happening here with, when she first appears, um, is extremely boyish and it's like commented on in the first duel with Sionji when it's revealed that like, oh no, Utena is a girl and Sionji is surprised by this. Um, and we also get this like symbolic imagery that, that comes up again and again of first we get like when Utena is drawing the sword from Anthe's chest, her hair gets longer. Uh, but then we also see this happen at the end when they like escape and burst through. And so what I, what I think is like the big unresolved, like if there, I think that I can look at the show and like, I'm just happy with how the show ended. I, I like the show as it is, but then I think this movie is also mm-hmm. positing like a potential problem that still exists with the show is that, a lot of the structure has not like actually fully changed. And in some ways, Utena is this like, is the prince now. And that like Utena becoming the prince is also, is not necessarily the fix? Like just installing like a woman prince does not necessarily fix it. Um, And I think the show does a lot to complicate that and to leave you off in a place where you, you can like feel hopeful about things changing. Um, But that the end of the show really does just feel like, Anthe is given the space to try and escape from like these systems um, that, that are like 
putting her into these positions where she's getting abused um, and like mm-hmm. being able to mm-hmm. walk away. And I think what this is then saying is like, but we never like, we still end with Utena being like, I have like achieved some sort of princedom or I was like playing at it or whatever. And I was doing it to save Anthony. And that is still like a um, useful thing. But that what is happening in this movie to me is Anthony going to Tana basically and saying like, one, I'm going to test you. Like how much are you actually buying into all of these other things that are associated with the prince and that have been associated with the prince. And also my understanding of the prince as the artifice that is put over like the actual abuser that is Akio. Like the prince is a thing that is used to like mask the actual horrors of like these things that a lot of the men in her life are doing. And so right. she's kind of coming to Utena and being like, will you like open yourself up to me? Will you like do these things? Like, let, let me actually explore this. Like, um, are you in some ways like willing to um, not say that the solution is like uh, giving up of femininity, but trying to find some other like space beyond that, or like trying to find ways that like femininity can also be freeing or um, like part of a liberatory thing. And not just like, we must take on masculinity in order to, like achieve liberation and freedom and the ending being like let us use this like masculinity only in so far as like you becoming the literal like uh hot rod cock will mm-hmm. get us out enough out of the space that we can then like push past that and and finally kill like the final version of the prince which is not even the like the living akio but that is the like image of the prince that we both have in our minds um we finally yeah. like we kill akio again and we're killing akio the like idea that is holding us back and the then we can like move idea. on yeah yes um yes. and then it but then it ending in the space of like but then what's left like we have to like we have to like build our own roads now um, in a way that's like even more um, uncertain in some ways than mm-hmm. the show, which the show is almost positing this like changing the system a little bit, but also like reincorporating things into the system. And this is like, no, what happens if you just like completely burst out of the system? What do you do now? You like literally have to build the roads yourself. Um, yeah. And like where we go, we can build the roads, but like there are no roads here. There's no like, plan like this is uh extreme potentiality but also um that means that there's just like so much more avoid yeah um so that's kind of how i read the end of the like this movie in the end so you so you kind of see it as like anthe more or less like literally like anthe from the end of the series like with her knowledge of everything that's transpired continuing into like being the anthe that we see at the beginning of the film and like her doing all of these actions like you know with all of the knowledge of what's transpired in order to like work yeah to help yeah to help Utena through like yeah you know the rest like figuring uh, yeah. out all of these things yeah, and to, to like tie this to some of the stuff I said with the the end of the show too, like there, for me too, there's also this like certain symbolic or um, you know, this is power of like, is this like we saw Utena trying to help Anthe out of the the situation they're in? This is almost the other side of it. Like there is also a, a certain amount to which like this can also be a reframing of how is like throughout the series, Anthony trying to help Utena break out of like 
identifying with the prince um that like some of the the betrayal is specifically around the ways that like um Utena is being like feminized by Akio and like brought into that but then also like that it that it is not this like person that she can believe in who would be able to free her and then and all of that being like Akio's control that's stuff that's happening towards the end of that series um but then this being like a more intentional like no how do I how do I break you out at the same time um so some of it is also could this be we're just seeing Anthea uh Anthe's like um also actions trying to like help Utena in that same instance if we go to like this purely mm-hmm. literal allegorical reading um or this could also be is this Anthe even just finding someone else and trying to help that person in the way that she was helped um uh, but i i do like a core thing to this for me is the reversal um of so much of the show is Utena trying to free Anthe this reverses to Anthe trying to free Utena um and then all of the different ways that you can like read that but i think like that that reversal is the key piece for me Uh, for me um i think i walked away feeling like similarly but like like i had a similar understanding of like the events but like a different under a different understanding of like the framing of it where i keyed in so much on um like anthe um you know Anthe asks Utena, like, multiple times, like, are you going to put on that rose seal? Um, And, like, Utena, like, at the start of this movie and through, like, the middle part of it, like, is kind of possessive in the way that, um, like, princes throughout the series are. Like, he's, like, or not he, she is, like, grabbing Anthe and, like, shaking her and, like, being physical with her. The, The moment where... She says, I'm not going to let you leave, um, mm-hmm. like, the bedroom. Um, she is, like, you know, I think in some ways, like, replicating, like, the behaviors that she's seen throughout the show. Um, and so, I guess for me, like, my understanding of the framing was that I felt like maybe Anthe walked away from the series as it happened, but then wanted to see for herself, like, you know whether Utena was um, genuine in some way, you know, she says at the end of the series, you gave me a taste of true friendship. Um, And like, I, I feel like in some ways she's putting Utena through some things to like test, like, are you going to put on that rose seal? Like, are you going to use me in the way that other people have used me? um, If I tell you, you know, the secret and if I tell you what revolutionizing the world means, you know, um, that was kind of my understanding of it. Uh, And I don't think, you know, the way I phrase that, maybe it sounds sinister on my, on Anthe's part. I don't think she's being sinister. I think, you know, she's very rightfully like cautious and afraid and like, you know, I, I think would understand her having a hard time trusting Utena even after all they've been through. And so like I read this movie as like her trying to find a way to like trust Utena after everything that happened, you know? Um, and eventually they like reach that place where they trust each other and um, are able to like, you know, kill Akio a second time. It's really funny how the part where the main character transforms into a car is the most like easy to understand part of this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, um, those are really good points. Um, and I'm still like, this is one where I almost wish I had watched it a couple of days ago, like earlier instead of today. Mm -hmm. Um, so I could have time to like digest it because I think again, like as it is with the series, the film is something I would be thinking about for a long time. Um, Mm. and I think all of these like things are swirling in the mix. Um, and I don't like disagree either. Um, I think my reading is more along the lines of like, I'm interested in the fact that in, uh, in the series, like so much of it comes to be concentrated on Akio, like this oppressive system, um, the abuses that are like carried out against Utena and Anthe, um, and then like this final antagonist, um, all becomes like concentrated on Akio as this kind of like, uh, nexus or this keystone of this like oppressive order, um, and this like oppressive paradigm that has been like, uh, established like through centuries because like Akio and Anthe are like immortal or whatever. This has happened hundreds of times, etc. Um, and then the, like, and then in the film, Akio is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Like from mm-hmm. the start, he's dead. Yeah. Um, so like where, so all of this stuff that is concentrated on Akio is now like diffused, um, and, but like still present. Um, and one of the things that I think like, so this is kind of leading to my, my final reading, which is, um, at the end of the series, like, um, Utena, like, accesses this, this space of eternity, like, behind this rose door, and, like, falls into it. Um, and, you know, like, the observ- the observatory collapses, and, like, all this symbolic space of, like, um, that's tied to this, like, paradigm associated with Akio, like, all collapses. Um, and then we're just left with Anthe, like, this is kind of, as, as Neve was articulating earlier, like, Anthe just, we're left with her being like, oh, I'm going to go out and, like, find Utena. Like, so there's this, po- there's this new space created, a space of possibility, but we don't know what it is. Like, we don't see what it is. Um, mm-hmm. We're just left with, like, the creation of that space. And I think, like, the, and, and then we, you know, we don't know where Utena is, but presumably, like, you know, in this um, this seat of power or in this space where she can shape, like, you know, what's coming next. Um, but, you know, all of that is left, um, you know, in, in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the film is really concerned with, like, okay, so now we're going to hit the reset button and this cycle is going to play out again. But, like this paradigm has shifted. So Akio is no longer um, like present really as the perpetrator, like Akio himself, his living form is no longer present as the perpetrator and the mastermind of like all of these systems. Um, And one of the interesting things about this is this like issue with the key. Um, We see Akio like in the film, we see his death scene. Um, where he's like uh, completely like desperate, um, powerless, like 
um, feckless, like panicked, looking for this key to his car, um, which is also like, you know, figured as a source of power for him um, in the series. Um, he can't find the key and then he like falls out of the window to his death. Um, and I think that's directly related to like the fact that he can't open the door um, in the final episode of Utena. Like in both instances, there's a, an issue with like his ability to access um, to like have the key to open a certain door um, mm-hmm. or access something um, in the series. Like it results in him like losing all of his power control over Anthony and being like, you know, and, and her freeing herself. Um, but the way the film is figuring that is like, yeah, he's dead. Like once he's lost this, like he is yeah. essentially like he's dead now. Um, so what happens if we hit the reset button and we reset into a world where Akio isn't present? Um, and I think a lot of it is concerned with like this, um, as the series is with these ideas of like revolution, order, disorder, um, and like the structures of existence. Um, and this idea of like, you have an oppressive system that is like, perpetrated by uh, one powerful individual, uh, let's say like Akio. Um, and you can like have a revolution wherein you like depose the like figurehead of a system. And what happens to the system like after that? Um, well, you still like, you know, in the same way that like, if you depose a dictator, like um, what happens to this like mm-hmm. oppressive apparatus? Mm-hmm. Well, it like, breaks apart to some degree um but these parts are still going to like operate um and i think that's what we see like in the world of uh, adolescence of utena where we're reset into a world like okay yeah akio is gone so we can't now just like pin all of this system on akio um we see how it like survives without him and how it's diffused like generalized throughout like you know the structures of the world throughout people's like internal conceptions um, throughout like the various characters um, and in their actions. Um, and I see a lot of it, the film like being a struggle with this. Um, it's specifically around like Utena and Anthe um, having to overcome like not only um, like still these like kind of uh the still present uh fragments of this power structure or this system that's still in place um mm-hmm. but also within themselves like the in, the kind of internalized vision of akio um their like internalized ideas about um sexuality um and you know like these abuses that um that they've sustained um and i think like the what ends up happening is um we get this like final actualization of a new future which is them escaping right like the um the show leaves off with like okay the world shell um has been shattered like there's a possibility for a different paradigm um but in the show we don't see what that possibility is um and in the film it's like okay this is like the ending of the film is like, okay, this is the new possibility. Like they're going to escape from this structure. Like this structure can't be like 
reconstructed. Um, it can't be like redeemed. It, you just have to escape from it. Um, and in this escape, you're entering into this world that like, and this is where I fully align with Neve's reading, um, where like, um, there are no roads. So there are no constraints. Um, in the sense that a road is kind of like a constraint. There are no constraints, um, but there's also no structure. Um, so it's just like utter freedom where Utena and Anthe can discover themselves and like realize this relationship. Um, and then of course we also get like the explicit portrayal of them, like their relationship as like a fully actualized romantic relationship, um, which we don't get in the series. Um, like, so it's this, um, possibility not only of like escape from like this patriarchal, um, dead cycle, um, of oppression, um, but also this actualization, um, of like this new possibility, which is represented with Anthe and Lieutenant. Um, and I, I have like thoughts about, you know, the, the framing of escape and like what, what that exactly means. Um, but like, I, that's kind of my read in what's going on, like between the series and the film and how these two things are related. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad that I feel like there, there's lots to respond there, but like one thing that I, I'm glad that you brought up as well is the, um, the symbol of the key, because I, I think that there is, for me and and for my reading it is also significant that the the key in the show is a thing that utena possesses and it is a key that like it, it is not the sword which is what Ak- akio thinks but it is something that she has and it specifically it is figured as opening a door and inside of that door is um anthe it, it is something about like mm-hmm. opening up um and that an important thing for this like process is anthe to like be open and vulnerable and um, actually like talk to Tana about what is happening so that like things can, can um, progress from there. And that part of what Utana possesses is like the about uh, the ability to like actually um, connect with Anthony in that way. And that what the key does in the movie is it is the thing that like, you know, changes Utana into a car and can be used to drive Utana which then mm. frames the key not as something that opens up, but as something that, like, that Anthe possesses that allows them to, like, uh, together utilize it as, like, a means of, like, of motion or progress or, like, movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, and I, I think there's, like, that important significance then, and that's part of why I then read, like, okay, if the series is about Utena trying to free Anthe it is about Utena getting the key that opens up and like opens the door that is holding, um, Anthe trapped. What, uh, Anthe is holding is the key to like, to drive Utena and to like, to take this like aspect of Utena that is this like, um, you know, there is this like masculine, uh, prince sort of part. And then like, how, how do we use that? But how do we also like, how do how do I as the person kind of in this way that again like I'm saying this in a way that that sounds conniving but I don't think it fully is but like how does Anthe use Utena to like 
to guide her and direct her in ways where like this impulse that she has to like bring about change is something that is like pushing in the right direction. You know, Anthe is the one who yeah. steers Utena. Utena is the car that like the, the car goes nowhere without the driver. Um, although we do see like empty uh, Shiori cars, but we can maybe talk about if there's significance and like, why is there no driver for the Shiori car? Um, but you know, specifically this, like, I think it is, I think it is important that it is like, Anthe is the one who is in control in the car, really. Um, yeah. and, and Utena is the car that like enables that movement, but Anthe is the one who's in control. And that then further ties into like, I agree with some of the stuff that you're saying. And I think part of, I think it's still significant to me that there is this inversion and this reversing that like, if we're breaking out of the system, we also need this certain, um, we, we need Anthe to like, be able to also take this sort of action and to try to free Utena because Utena is also a part of the system. Um, the show is not like, we talk often when talking about the show about how it is difficult for Utena to like be within the system and try to free Anthe by participating in the system. Um, right. and there are ways that you're just reactualizing that. that same structure. Yeah. Um, and so this is something where it's like, okay, we actually need like this other side that can, um, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's a certain, like, <clears throat> for me, I don't think there's like a gender essentialism into the, the things that I'm talking about. And I also don't think that this is uh, a statement that like masculinity is inherently toxic or bad. Um, but that there needs to be like also this feminine aspect that like the shedding of femininity and becoming the prince is not the full solution that like, well, there still especially, needs to be this like understanding of like what femininity can allow and bring as well. Well, especially when like when the context of masculinity within the show is defined by like it's defined so much by like this oppressive patriarchal system. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've like talked about it at length, which is like referred to as um I mean I have a note in here, like um the exchange between Nutena and Toga, where uh Toga is like this world is built around the prince. Um at the end when uh Utena and Anthe like escape, they're like, We were together in killing the prince. Um so like this world is is built around the figure of the prince as as you're kind of like as you brought out. Um, but it's a world that is like, uh, of like oppression, violence, like patriarchy, heteronormativity, um, a closed world. Um, it's referred to as like a closed world, um, where people are like reduced to lifeless corpses. Um, I think Akio tells Anthony, like, go back to that world and be, um, like a corpse, a living corpse. Um, and like within this context, like, you know, masculinity like masculinity in the show had exists within this context so it's charged with all of this like um with all of this content and i think that's all to say more to your point yeah um well that, like that, just and that there's the they come like it then become i think the way that they figure stuff around utena is where they complicate it beyond just um it being purely this toxic thing because again part of the escape involves Utena becoming the like cock hot rod like this Mm -hmm. like this image of um Akio's Akio's, like yeah power and and like um sexuality in this like very uh domineering controlling dangerous way 
Um, the literal thing that he uses to seduce Utena. Yeah. You and, know. like, everyone in the... And everyone. Yeah, yeah. in the yeah. Otori Akio and um, Apocalypse Saga. But, like, stuff. very specifically, like, the thing that he uses to, like, you know, against her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Not to, like, jump around too much, but... Um, one of the things that I'm interested in is, like, the way that... Um, sexuality like anti-sexuality well first of all like sexuality period is like treated in the film um which i think for me like the series has a kind of escalating um dynamic around sexuality where it becomes more and more explicit um and you know we talked about that at length in like our our episodes what we thought uh it was doing with that um and now we just get like a whole other order of magnitude <laughs> um, in the film, which, you know, I think makes sense on several levels, which the first one is like, you know, the film is adolescence of Utena. So it's following this like maturation theme, like right. tr- transition from like, you know, like childhood to adulthood um, and like coming into knowledge of like, you know, your body and also, like, your sexual identity. Um, So suddenly, like, you know, all of this imagery, explicit imagery is coming up as kind of reflecting, like, the psyche, um, the psychological, like, state of, you know, of the characters that is being, like, portrayed and dealt with. Um, But then you also, like, along with that, um, enters in the possibility for sexual exploitation, um, or the, like the knowledge of sexual exploitation in the case of someone like Toga in the film um, that you also like grapple with as part of, um, you know, this transition from like childhood to adulthood, this knowledge um, of like, you know, this, this violence um, around sexuality. Um, so I think there's that. Um, but then also, like, a lot of this is centered on Anthe. Um, and one of the things that is interesting for me that, like, I... It drives me towards towards the reading that I have is um, this first encounter that she has with Utena, um, where it is, like, highly sexual, but it's also... Um, like very forceful mm-hmm. um, and tied into like, um, so I mean, it's described like the narrative describes how now in the world of the film, like part of being the Rose bride is seemingly that she like has sex with mm-hmm. like the groom. Um, and there's like this implication that, you know, she's done it with, that this has been going on for some time. So she said sex with, you know, other people in this role, although it's never really confirmed, but Mm -hmm. strongly implied. Um, Uh, I I know here, I know that you have not read, I I don't think either of you have like read all the manga. I know you haven't gotten here yet. Um, Connor, um, there, so the, like in the manga, there is a part, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this more when we get to the question bucket. 
But I just want to bring it in here as something that I think also would have like predated this movie and is also maybe being brought in here, uh, which is the way that the rape of Utena is figured um, is specifically Akio being like, oh, don't you know, like as the the person who's like engaged to the Rose Bride, like what comes next, you have to like get married and consummate that marriage. And so there's a scene mm-hmm. where they are supposed to be consummating the marriage and then um, things get kind of like vague in the manga, but that is the moment where it is implied that Utena believes that mm. she is entering into like what is being figured as potentially having sex with Anthe and instead it ends up being Akio rapes her. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that is a moment in a way that the show didn't, that this sort of does get figured as like, Oh, the, the Rose bride, like what is supposed to happen here is this. And again, I think like, in this reading that I think is talking about, like you're bringing this in a little bit um, autumn as well, but I think also kind of ties into some of how I'm thinking about this um, is specifically like Utena just displays some of this like sexual aggression being like, well, I'm not going to let you leave. And then is asking about like, what is all this Rose bride business? And then when Anthe is like, well, you get to have sex with me. Then Utena's like, no, like I'm not, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, and so like specifically figuring that and, um, Utena saying like, no, is an important part of this. Uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the, the thing about it here is that like, again, you know, Akio is dead. So like, there's this way that the sexual exploitation of Anthe now it's it's not centered on Akio. It's diffused into yeah. like the role of the Rose Bride, where she's exploited by like you know various like people or whoever is in this role at the time, and it becomes an institution, le- like less so Akio himself, and more so like an institution is now like the perpetrator of this sexual exploitation, um, and. Like we, I think we we see this in this scene where like, yes, Utena is aggressive. So in a way, Utena is kind of like enacting this, but doesn't go too far, and obviously, you know, says no. Um, but Anthe is like extremely aggressive, um, and mm. Utena even says like no, and then Anthe like continues to insist, um, and Anthe like there's this programmatic. Um, manner that she is like um going about this like seduction where you know she immediately just starts like you know coming onto Atena like touching her body um kissing her um and then like you know not listening when Utena says like says no at least initially yeah um and there's this aspect of like okay you know I think, you know, I'm not saying this to contradict your reading because I think, you know, it's it's valid either way. Um, but the way this struck me initially, like, watching it is like, okay, Anthe is still, like, this is, like, Anthe in this new world of, like, again, the, the reset button has kind of been hit and, like, you know, this exploitation is diffused, but now, like, and she's still in this role as, like, someone who is like 
abused and exploited by the system and still is suffering from this. And like, this is the form it takes. Mm-hmm. And like, these are the consequences are her like, you know, n- now she's acting this way towards Utena. Um, like it, it's, it's characterizing how she's like, um, it interacting with Utena, um, to like, you know, in these initial, um, moments. Yeah. Um, I think too, like, you know, the, some of this does tie into this, like, I think there's a certain amount to which, um, like, I don't know if my read is necessarily entirely that, uh, Anthe is like fully in control is, um, has like orchestrated all of that, like is coming out of that and being like, I'm going to go free uh, Utena and is like approaching this all with like pure, like this is Utena or this is Anthony at the end of the the show with like all of her knowledge and all of her memories. Um, sure. Yeah. I think it is more of an inverting where like, it is still about for me, Anthony trying to free Utena, but there's also a certain amount of like, as you were talking about as well, Autumn, of, like, Anthe not really trusting Utena. Um, and so I... And I think it's still important that, like, in the ways that um, Utena, like, falters and is, like, unsure and is being tested and it is, like, you know, might have a drive throughout the series of, like, I want to uh, help get Anthe out of the system, at the very beginning is also just, like, no, I'm just going to lose the next duel so that I don't have to do this anymore. Um, just take right. off this ring. Yeah, and we get Anthe here being like, well, this is just what the system is. Like, this is how it works. Like, you know, there there is a certain amount of, like, Utena still being the one who is um, pushing against, like, this is how the system works that, that leads up to all the other stuff that happens. But I, I then still think that there's a framing around, like, what needs to be broken out of here is the the paradigm of the prince just being still the thing that like that Utana has to take on to like fix it. That that is the yeah. thing that now needs to be broken yeah. out of. I, I I thought a lot about the line in the last or the second to last episode, maybe. Um it's when um Utena like stops Amphi from her like suicide attempt, um and they're like crying in the um dueling arena and utena says like um you know i was so focused on my own ego and like wanting to be the prince and like wanting to be you know this ideal that i didn't like think about how you felt um and i think that a lot of that feeling that utena has about herself is worked through in the series but i think there's like you know a lot of room left to explore that I think like the show, the, the movie is like exploring like that specific, like thread a lot, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I also think like, um, and this is why I want to just like put it out there that I'm not, I- I'm still trying to like process these like readings in my mind. Um, so I'm not like, I'm not looking at it as like, oh, like I'm refuting your reading. Um, yeah. Because, because I do think like there's, 
I do think like the overall dynamic is like a, as you're describing me, like yeah, there is a necessity for like <laughs> Anthony to like you know yeah to, I'm to saying, save your tenant. I'm saying all of this being like my reading is like what all of you are saying feels correct to me. We are just like honing in on different aspects of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we're fragmented floating around yeah, staircases. It, it is around. like Anthe casting <laughs> Utena. It is Anthe trying to free Utena from the system. It is the way that the system has like permeated everything, including the way that like Anthe is thinking and approaching things as well as everybody mm-hmm. else. And they like all have to still break out of this. Um, the ending still includes Anthe having to like finally kill Akio a second time as well to, to not just be mm-hmm. like, Oh, Akio stabbed me and then fell out of a window. But like, no, like I am literally going to kill you with a car. I'm going to run you over. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like that, that also like to, to take it down to, and again, I'm not saying like, this is a, uh, Oh, this is all just purely allegorical. And the correct reading is just like the most literal. This is about abused girls reading that we can do, but there is a certain amount of, um, power in even if someone is out of your life and they are still like in your mind like having this moment where you're like no i'm glad they're dead or whatever mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like uh of like changing however they left your life in like a, a way that was not necessarily intentional into your own and then now choosing to be like no but even if i like could make the choice i would be like get the fuck out of my life um yeah that i, I think is also at work here and it's like a necessary step for for Anthe in particular. Another yeah. like oh, a thing ahead. I was thinking about, I guess just now that I had hadn't really like come into my mind yet before, is the way that like in the series Akio seems like, um, you know, like in in the in the movie, it's like oh he's like the Lord of the Flies, you know, like he is literally Satan or Lucifer or what have you. Um, and in the series, he seems like this sort of like supernatural force often that is like hard to resist. And I think there is like something really interesting and powerful about seeing Akio, um, as like just a drunk loser who falls out a window, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that like, you know, he's dead now, and, like, Anthony and Utena can, like, you know, just kind of see him as a general piece of shit who is, like, you know, like, not the sort of, like, mythic person that he is in um, the series, you know? Yeah. Um, he's just a piece of shit. <laughs> just a normal piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that um, I think that ties into like um, this kind of like depowering um, of like not only like the literal depowering of like um, you know oh he's dead like he's not even here um, but then also like for the his like significance within like this world and this system that. Anthony and Utena are struggling against. Um, like in the film, it's almost none. It's just like a legacy. Um, 
which is like you know um it, and and is shown to be like well, okay well the most powerful aspect of this is just their internalized like vision of him um but he doesn't really have like any tangible power um whereas like yeah like in the show he is almost like he's this you know immortal like demigod um mm. of sorts um and i think like you know the the way like what we do see of him like you're right like what we do see of him is uh it very like effectively because it is kind of shocking when you're just like i mean i was pleased to uh like when he was when he entered into the film i was like oh god right like not not again not more akio and then he's just like (laughs) dead instantly and then it's like oh you know like oh and then also he's like you know the only other time we really see him is like this drunken desperation um where he's like i mean he has like raped anthe um but he also has this like powerlessness about him um and this like pathetic aspect um, yeah and that that movement like really um like actualizes the like other stuff that's going on with um like his character as like a a symbol or like a role yeah um slightly uh, I had- Oh, if oh, you have more ahead. thoughts Go going off of this, I had, I had a like slight diversion into a, a completely different topic. So, so I was going to talk about like the um, the way that the film treats like the idea of queerness, basically. Yeah, I guess or I was going to bring that up. I I will do my quick thing because I think it it'll move into this. Um, Mm -hmm. which is sort of an an explanation of the, like, cover art that I've done for the um, Utena episodes, which is, it is a um, discovered cell that was created for the TV show and never used of Anthe and Utena kissing. Um, I don't know if there's been, I haven't seen, like, significant stuff into why it wasn't used. Um, if the, the like, crew decided not to do it, or if they were not allowed to include the scene, um, I would maybe lean more towards the latter as a possibility, um, especially considering that they do show multiple kisses in the film. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought it would, for me, kind of interesting and significant to, like, we're going to do this whole series that is about... um, Utena, and there's like this popular understanding um, today, I think, online of it being like, oh, it's that like lesbian anime about like Utena and Anthe and their girlfriends. Um, and certainly I read it as a love story and like what happens at the end being like about a love between these two girls, but also it's far more complex than that. And so I thought it was interesting to like, let me use this like kiss that was potentially going to be in the show um, as the cover. But like, here's the thing that I think is closer to just the like popular understanding. If, if you haven't watched Utena, you know, you've just seen it online. This is what you understand of it is, Oh, those two girls kiss. And then it never happens in the show. We never get that shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I literally just pulled it from an unused cell. Um, 
But we we do end up getting multiple kisses here. But also there are like there are things that are just interesting in this um movie because we get so much more actualization between Utena and Anthe. Um but the stuff around Jury is like very briefly gestured at. Um there's almost mm-hmm. just like a rumor spread. I wonder who spread those rumors. Um Shiori is like weirdly sweet to Jury in the only scenes where we see them interacting. Um although she is like clearly still manipulative and um is the the sort of final antagonist after you know, aside from the the final boss of we have to run over Akio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but... Shiori figures into this movie a lot more prominently than I would have guessed. I yeah, would have, same. I would have assumed that she shows up about the same amount of, that Kozue does, because I feel like they fill similar roles in the show of, like, representing things that relate to the main, like, the main stuff really well, but, like, are also, you know, not the main thrust, and so you could just reduce their roles, and that's what I thought that's like what Kozue gets, and that's what I expected Shiori would get. So I was very surprised to see her so hugely a part of this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> um, um. <laughs> so I guess to to talk a little bit about Shiori, I think this is an an interesting thing to bring up. Um, I'm going to do a read, and I'm not saying that this is the only read, or that it's like my sole read. But I think one of the possible things that we could see as this is what's happening with Shiori um, is tying into, it's something that is actually, I think, deeper to the way that I read her character, but something that I was hesitant to bring up until we got later into the series, um, which is that there is a certain read of Shiori. um, And I think this like re becomes strongest with the stuff around Ruka and the way that like Ruka is behaving to Juri and then how that complicates how Juri is behaving to Shiori of like, um, but, but anyway, there's a certain way I think that you can read Juri and Juri's like obsession or read Shiori and Shiori's obsession with Juri throughout the series as actually being some sort of like repressed or sublimated, uh, like homosexual desire for Juri. Um, but in this way where like, she does not, perhaps understand it or want to access it. Um, and perhaps it's even less important that it is actually like full, um, that she is like actually homosexually attracted to jury. But I think it is still important regardless that like jury seems to be an extremely important person in Shiori's life, but that the way mm-hmm. that she approaches it is through this like very competitive, domineering, controlling way. Sadistic even. Yes. And so to have Shiori figured as um, someone who might be able to access this sort of power to escape, this like ability to become a car, um, but also to specifically be a car that is undriven, that does not have this like uh, other aspect of guidance or like ability to um, take that kind of like raw... um, potential for like you know there there is the like the joke of uh that people will say about this movie that it is about uh like utena becoming literally a vehicle for change um and shiori like might have this this potential but does not have like the productive relationship where that can can be guided into something and so because she is undriven she is just something that is like no you have to like like perhaps she's trying to escape or maybe she's just trying to get like 
them to stop. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think a lot of the framing around Shiori's car in particular is the most interesting because it is specifically like, this is a race. Oh, here comes the com- the competitor, the black car from behind Shiori. Um which might suggest like a race to escape, not necessarily a race to uh, to like catch and like stop the car. Um, mm-hmm. And then she she ends up crashing. She's like unable to continue on. Um, and then we get the like swarms of other cars and you know everything else that they have to face to try to escape. Um, but I think it is interesting for Shiori to like specifically show up as this other person who is perhaps trying to like. Um, enact this like movement or change, but does not have like any actual um, like guiding force or anything that can like help her direct that in a way so that it is not just this like pure competitiveness of like, I must be the best. Um, And like, if some of this reading too is trying to escape from the system, it like going into um, like this more just like violent and ultimately unproductive method. Yeah. I think I have a reading of it that is like different from yours, but I think they fit in just fine with e- with each other. Yeah. Like again, I, I'm saying this is like one possible reading, but I think yeah. multiple stuff is happening here. Yeah, I don't think anything that I'm about to say is like, you know, like contrary to anything you just said. I think it is just like a different aspect of it that I seized on, which is that like I, I think like part of the reason that she might have a more prominent role in this movie is that like of the women in the show, um, she is perhaps like the most like possessive and controlling in the way that Akio is. Um, and like is constantly sort of trying to like play games with jury's mind and like, um, and like you know, get jury to like behave in the way that she wants um, for her own ends, um, and so I think like Shiori as like representing like you know, this is like such a masculine like like manipulation is such a masculine thing throughout um, the series, and like you know, refocusing as a you know, not just a masculine thing, but a like this is a thing that people are tr- like trained by society to do that like like the system is built to produce people like shiori and like akio you know i don't think that like shiori is operating on the same scale of like violence that akio is but you know yeah but also yeah. like if some of the danger of utena wanting to become the prince is that she becomes like akio perhaps some of the danger of like anthe being like this more feminine side is Anthe becoming this like very controlling thing like Shiori. Yeah. And there is that there and there is that aspect of Anthe, or at least that possibility that like looms over so many of the events of the series. And like like and, and I think it's, you know, resolved in a way, but like it's a constant presence that like there are like all these scenes where I mean the Gendo Ikari scene when she yeah. is like you know like there and there's count we're well, not countless but <laughs> there's a lot of scenes where it's like you know hinted that Anthony is doing some sort of dark manipulation and like you know that that possibility is constantly present. 
That's been um, one of the interesting things about listening to you two discuss the series after I watched the show. Because, like, at the by the end of watching the show, you know, I've seen like, oh, you know, in the in the final episodes, you know, Anthe like, you know, um, moving to like get between um, Utena and Akio in the photo, stuff like that. And I'm like keyed into this now, and then going back and listening to you know your discussion of it i'm like oh there these moments are all throughout the series and they just get like more and more pronounced toward the end so like um yeah i think it's like really interesting like the things that shiori might represent about um himemia's character you know yeah i um i think like that's yeah, I, I think that's all great. <laughs> I don't know how much more how much more I have to add to that. Um, I uh, so I think for me, like um, the thing that I kind of want to, I kind of want to like step back and look at um, this dynamic, like how it evolves throughout the film. Um, I think it's interesting that. Um, like the first two descriptors that we get for like attraction between women are weird, which Utena says, mm-hmm. uh, and gross, which Shiori says. Um, I think it's the um, the scene where like it first uh, where it's first introduced is this like post duel scene um, where Anthony tries to like have sex with Utena, um, and Utena says no. And then there's this um, intriguing scene where, like, Utena finally pushes Anthe away, uh, calls her weird, and then the shot of her doing that has, like, it frames the picture of Utena and Toga, like, in the background. Um, as mm-hmm. she's, like, um, rejecting, like, uh, this possibility um, you know, it's kind of like this, this looming presence. Um, these two things are like somehow, um, tied together. And then later, um, Utena is talking with Toga and refers to Anthe as weird and is kind of like trying to talk to Toga about the sex, about like, you know, Anthe trying to have sex with her and describes Anthe as weird, like says this a couple times. Um, and then we later get like Shiori talking about the locket. Um, I think also again to Toga, um, s- like specifically saying jury is gross. Like she's like a gross girl because, and, and the reason why is because she like has these feelings that are represented by her like having this locket for me. Um, and I felt like, um, you know, the film is almost setting this up as a problem. Like, yeah. uh, right away, like, um, this possibility is being framed, like, in this very negative way. Um, it's kind of creating a problem of, like, oh, okay, yeah, like, in this world, like, um, you know, this possibility is, like, constrained by, like, you know, attitude, internalized attitudes. Um, oppressive forces, etc. Um, and that's kind of why, like, 
you know, and the, you know, Utena takes a certain path, um, which, you know, we've talked about a little bit already, um, in relation to this. Um, but then Shuri like comes up later. Um, and I think this is part of the reason why that she's like such a significant character. Um, and then this just ties back into everything that you all were saying, um, which is like, cause she's so related to, um, this like idea of like, you know, same sex attraction. Um, and as like related to like hostility around it, um, that like the film really wants to, uh, like focus on as like a problem that it's working through. Um, and you know, as a result, that's, that's why I think Shuri like takes on this huge role, um, and the significance for the film is because like, you know, she's so tied into this. Yeah. Um, I have a question and like, it might send us down a totally different path. And so if you had something to say that was kind of related to that, Nia, then you should go. Um, I, mine, mine is like very tangential. Um, and it's something I could, I could also bring up. Like, I, I think there, there is some of the stuff happening as like, this is a, uh, problem bring being brought up into the, um, in this world, uh, like in, in some ways the, the problem of like heteronormativity and like the oppressive systems around homosexuality, um, in a way that the show doesn't in the same way is more like realistic to society today. Um, and like society when this is being made, like some of that, we talk about the ways that it's somewhat complex, but also like, I think some of what is happening here too, is that so much of the, it really isn't until we get to the end of the show that I think uh, the show is intentionally framing, especially around Anami's egg thing, this like movement into uh sexual quote unquote mat- maturity, like going through puberty and, um, that whole process and the nummy's egg specifically being around like getting your first period. Um, and so some of what is happening throughout that series and the way that like homosexual behaviors, especially early on are, are very acceptable. I think is, is speaking to some degree about um, the way that like childhood in general. And I think this is true across many cultures, including to some degree, um, American culture, but especially in Japanese culture, like some of these like homosocial behaviors, uh, these like more like, uh, homoerotically charged behaviors are acceptable when it is kids. And it is when you are like entering into this idea of adulthood that that becomes less acceptable. And I think that the, the movie is very intentionally taking place after this like movement into puberty, into like Mm -hmm. sexual, uh, awakening and everything that happens towards the end of the show. Um, and so I think that's also part of what is happening here is that like, even just societally, uh, in Japan and like in, in terms of what this is like also portraying, like, yes, we are able to see things like the relationship between Wakaba and Utena early in the show, because in the show it's sort of figured as like, they haven't, you know, they are not adults yet in the way that I think this is them, this is like 
also a telling where they are now moving more into this like adolescent young adulthood. And this is specifically a movie about them being in that stage rather than Mm -hmm. in this childhood stage that we then see the movement towards the very end into young adulthood and like um, all of the ways that that changes things. This we're now starting from like, this is the adolescence of Utena. This is not the childhood of Utena. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's part of what is happening around, like, when that stuff is brought up now, it is more directly figured as, like, no, this is, like, societally wrong, because I think also this film is dealing with, let us do a version where this is fully within, like, after the events of the show, like, into this adolescence, um, into this, like, has come into the sexual awakening, um, where now just expectations are different. Mm-hmm. impossibilities yeah so yeah one other little thing that i just wanted to bring up before we get to your question autumn um but i think was actually significant and and really interesting i noticed it for the first time this time that i watched it because i didn't really pay attention to it um you know when i when i've watched this movie other times which i've watched this movie more than i've watched the show because it's a lot easier to sometimes just put on a movie um but anyway uh what what I noticed and that I thought wa- was this like interesting little moment given stuff that we had talked about Connor was after the first duel when uh Anthony comes into Utena's bedroom she comments that it is already tidied up um which <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I know which, where you're going with this <laughs> which I just I thought was interesting because we we talked so much about how um even as like Utena was trying to fight the Rosebride system was still very content to like let Anthe do all of the cleaning and like housekeeping. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there is actually like this importance to in this version, Anthe coming in and noting like, Oh, Hey, you cleaned up. <laughs> like you didn't just like, <laughs> that's surprising. Yeah. You didn't like just immediately uh, take advantage of me in this way that, that you yeah. did throughout all of the show. Um so. Yeah, I, I did notice that as well, and I had kind of a chuckle to myself, and I was like, do I really want to, like, how far do we want to go with this? But I'm glad that you brought it up again, because yeah. I, yeah. it's 100% valid. Um, um, so in, the, in that scene, um, I think, Connor, you mentioned this earlier, you know, she comments on, it's tidy now, and then they have the conversation on the bed, and then, um, you know, the the scene ends with like, you know, the frame of Utena and Toga. And then we go into like Toga and Shiori talking a little bit. I, my question was just like, Hey, what the fuck's going on with Toga in this movie? I couldn't parse that at all. (laughs) Yeah. That's a very, what the fuck is going on there? (laughs) So I, I have a Um, read, which is that honestly, the, we are actually, I think, getting a lot of what happened with Toga in the show, but we are getting it reframed in very different ways. Um, but, like, Toga being Utena's prince in some ways becomes understandable if this is a world without Toga, then perhaps, like, the kind of relationship that Utena had with Toga can become more idealized. Um, mm-hmm. Can become this thing of, like, what I remember was how you tried to, like, warn me about Akio at the end and things like that, that like 
Yeah. But that also, it then becomes like linked with the, the story that Jury tells to the student council towards the very end um, about the, the prince who died trying to save um, her sister uh, or, you know, the boy who died trying to save her sister. And now she doesn't even remember um, his name, which uh, in that moment almost seems to be referring to like Utena is going to die <laughs> trying to save Anthe um, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it gets figured as like Toga was that person who died trying to save a, a girl. Um, and it seems like the only person who remembers is um, Utena because like one of the first hints that we get that um, Toga is dead is Miki being like, who's Toga? <laughs> um, when yeah, Toga says something. Odd scene. Yeah. Yeah. They're standing next to each other. Um, I think also Toga becomes the stand-in for like i i think even in the show it is like incorrect to say that utena is a lesbian she like clearly has bisexual desires for characters in the show um Mm, and so toga is still like serving some of that like bisexuality here even as like utena um has to like give up some of that like attachment to this like straight relationship that she could have had for this like realization with Anthe um, to like understand the importance of that, what it gave to her, but also be like, but now this is like the person that I want to be with, which I think there's, there's stuff happening there as well. Um, the other part that feels the most like they are introducing backstory, but they think is actually just all of what is happening in the show is um, the adoptive father of Toga, who we see like sexually abusing and raping him. Which is just what Akio is doing to Toga throughout that entire series. Um, yeah, Akio is like manipulating and sexually ab- using Toga to to what degree? Like, is not given nearly this explicitly, but like there are shots of, of like Toga and Akio in bed watching the duels and things. Like this stuff, sure, I, I think is is mm-hmm. hinted at us knowing who Akio is. Um, so I think that's also part of what's like being represented here um and again they're just like reframing all of this in very different ways yeah um i agree i I think it i think it has a lot to do with like you know again like you punch out akio and then like how does the system what does the system look like when you punch out akio um and so like yeah it's not akio abusing toga it's like you know, his adoptive father. Um, and like these systems of, of abuse are still, um, you know, operative, um, even without like, you know, this keystone that like ties them all together necessarily. Um, or even when they're in like decay. Um, and then you also have like the, the way that he's mythologized. Um, I think he takes the place of like, it's not focused on um but it is kind of like affirmed in the film of this like the the fable that uh is such a big part of the series um like oh her parents died and she was in the the cathedral or the you know whatever by herself and someone came and saved her um the film does like in passing lines it does say like oh you know um, Toga was the one 
who like came and you know saved me and that's why he's the prince um so it kind of like recapitulates the the like fable um but in a way that um is transformed because like akio who is the centerpiece of that fable as we find out in the at the end of the show is like you know no longer present to um to be a figment uh, a factor in the system um so like toga then just takes on all of this like mythic weight and becomes this like um central fixation for for utena around all of the stuff that the fable represented um so so there's kind of like a you know a couple things happening i feel like um around his figure um and i also don't even think that begins to i don't think that explains it at all <laughs> um there's still other stuff going on that is is hard to part uh, hard to yeah. parse um i mean some sure. of this also we'll see i still have not fully finished the manga i'm pretty close to the end but um there's some imagery in that too around like trying to save someone from drowning and things. So um, when we do the question bucket, we're going to kind of start with the discussion of the manga. Um, we are, I think in one of the episodes we talk about doing it as part of the the movie and there's some stuff where I think that would have been beneficial, but um, like the translation you were reading Connor was really bad. And uh, also we clearly have enough to talk about with just the movie. So um yeah, I'm was... trying to get it. Hmm. Oh, you go know. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just had a quick throwaway comment. I'm trying to get it right now. I'm currently trying to get the, the manga from Oberlin College. And uh, if uh, if that fails, then I'm going to need to go get it from the Xenia Public Library, where apparently there is... Um, they, they have them. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I was going to ask you, Nia, does that two-volume set that you have include the Adolescence of Utena manga? I wasn't sure. Um, I don't think so. Okay. I'm, I might hit you up to borrow, to borrow those from you. I cannot find any, like, digital copies, like, anywhere, so I might, like... I don't even know if I'm going to read them, but I might, like, borrow them for a few days and, like, flip through them and, yeah. you know, give them back. So... I don't know what the... Um public like the publication situation is around those but uh i've been having a very difficult time because my my first idea was just to buy it to buy it um and like i really can't and i've spent a couple hours looking and i like cannot find uh a physical copy to purchase that's not yeah i was also looking for i was looking for utena blu-rays and they're all Pretty pricey, and I'm just hoping that, you know, um, maybe when global supply chain stuff is a little better, somebody puts out a nice new box set of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I just drive up to Xenia and yeah. be like, hey, give me all your manga. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I don't I don't know if people have additional stuff to get into. There's a lot here. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Um so so I had like I I have a couple like lingering thoughts um that I wanted to bring up and um 
I'm gonna like bring in a comparison that I, I promise, Neve, I'm not I'm not trolling you. Um because like I, you know, I, I really do think it's like a good comparison. Um so my thing about the ending is like um where do I start? Um so the thoughts that I'm left with, like after all that we've discussed, um what what I think is like I'm still grappling with is the way that um you know okay so there's this new possibility that's actualized you know this like moving past this oppressive system um but what's important is it's framed like it's not framed as a reconstruction um but it's framed as an escape right like they're escaping from Vittori, from the closed world of Vittori Academy um, and going out into like um, this space that is described as like, you know, a space of no roads, um, no constraints, um, and just this kind of like, you know, um, this free space. Um, and uh in light of all that we've talked about, I think it's really fascinating that the film is like, you know, positing escape as like this final option or this only option. Um, whereas the series, one of the things that it does is um, you can see it as suggesting the same, like the only option for um, like the resolution for this is for like Anthony and Utena to escape from Akio. Um, that's the resolution to these problems. Um, and then Anthony like leaves the academy, um, but there's also space left there of like, you know, where is Utena? Like, um, it, it's not explicitly stated. What's happening with like, you know, the rev- this like idea of revolution and um, you know her like going behind the door. Um, there's all of these like uh, possibilities that are left there. Um, that in one sense, it's really, it's like, I think it's the strength of the film that the film like goes further and actually like, um, you know, resolves those possibilities in the way, in the satisfying ways that it does. Um, but it also like in making it a concrete vision, um, it's, it's also in a way like, almost feels reductive um, to where like, okay, yeah, now like this is the new possibility escaping from like the fucked up, you know, system. You can't like reconstruct this. You, you're, they're not like, um, you know, uh, reforming it or like, um, you know, uh, rebuilding like a new paradigm. They're just escaping to a world that has no paradigm. Um, and instead, like, they're, you know, they're leaving behind, like, you know, everything and everyone. Um, although there is, like, that suggestion of, like, oh, well, maybe these other people are going to escape on their own. Um, like, it's really, like, Anthe and Utena, like, escaping by themselves, um, into this new world. Um, that is, like, free of constraint, but also, like, um free of structure. Um, so in a way, this is like, and, and I don't say this is a, you know, it's not, this is not a moral or a value judgment because um, like 
it does it doesn't have to be a utopian vision, you know, for for the show to be interesting or whatever. Like that's not the kind of analysis that I'm interested in. Um, but in a way, this is not doesn't really strike me as a utopian vision, um, because it is so like centered on um, escapism and the escape specifically of like these two individuals, um, and not with like the you know reconstruction of a new like structure or system, um, which is really striking in the fact that the series itself is so concerned with like the structure, the order systems a structure um that governs our lives and how powerfully it does um the series is sensitive to that and um then in the film we just get to like oh okay well we just escape um which and this is where the comparison comes in um i think like what it reminded me of in a way um is oath ms team um and some of the discussion that we had around that where Oath MS team like shows all of these like these two people who are so like abused um, and battered and um, destroyed by like these various systems of oppression um, and like it's very concerned with how they can escape from this um, and just like be human and live. Um, and then the answer it gives is like, okay, yes, like, this is like, like they escape and they go live on like a cottage somewhere, like by themselves. And there's something like immensely, um, like positive and liberatory and freeing in that after all that we've seen transpire, like the fact that these people can even live and be free. And like, you know, love one another um, after being like abused in this way is like revelatory. Um, but also then it begs these questions of like, you know, this is not really like a utopian vision because it's abandoning these questions of like structure. Um, and I feel like a similar question is at play. Um, I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying one way or another. I think you tend to like, has space for um, other readings. Um, but I, I do think like a similar question is at play here. I, I mean, I think so for me, one of the key differences is the way that <clears throat> that escape from the, the world is figured in the two series, which um, what we see in Oath uh, MS team, which I know that you haven't uh, seen. I don't think you've watched it autumn. Um, Probably but won't. like the the final episode kind of like throughout it it's a lot of the Shiro and Aina trying to escape from like these systems of war and the the end of episode 7 8 or 11 or whatever the second to the last episode um is almost implies that they like die just trying to like save people and get them out. And then there's this final episode where um, two of the other characters are searching for Shiro and Aina. Uh, well, specifically Shiro, but also like in relationship Aina who, you know, Aina is mm-hmm. the one um, on the, the Xeon side and Shiro is the one on the Federation side. And it's, you know, love across the battle lines. Um, 
And what they first come across is a group of cyber new types who uh, have escaped from a ship that crashed. Um, and basically, like, encountered Shiro and Aina, and they tried to, like, give them some basic survival skills, but then just left these kids, and one of the kids um, has died. Uh, and it's like, you know, uh, Kiki, one of the characters, has to, like, teach um, them how to, like, even do a funeral, because, like, they don't do funerals. They're just like, well, we're, like, new types. They're, like, still kind of with us in some way. Um, yeah. I think there is the, the like implication that that character was like like mortally wounded or whatever. Yeah. Um and then they find Shiro and Aina who seem to be living in this like utopian pastoral countryside cottage. Um and I I think the the critique there is almost this like they are um, achieving this like false utopia. They view what they are achieving as a utopia. Um, and in fact, what they are doing is they're like leaving behind this. Um, they, they are just like saying, well, we're out. Like we got our escape, even though like all of the oppressive systems of war are still occurring and are happening to these kids that they like briefly encountered. Um, I don't think that, like, I think what's happening in Utena is very different because what they are escaping to is not portrayed in any way as utopian. Um, what it is portrayed as right. is like uh, the empty space that is after this revolution where, and what is specifically talked about is how there are no roads, but in some ways that's okay because wherever we go, we can like build roads, we can extend this world. And so I think it is mm -hmm. specifically a statement, not of we have escaped and that escape is utopia but instead we have like created the, we have destroyed the system so thoroughly that we can now try to build a new system. Um, we can now try to build like an, a new world, but that this is going to like take work. This is going to take effort. Um, and that's very different than what we see with Shiro and Aina, where it is kind of just like, no, Aina's pregnant and we're here on our cottage with our little farm. And like, we're just going to escape into this pastoralism. Um, we do not see this image of pastoralism, which is like a, a very like key image in Japanese stuff um, being figured at all at the end of Utena. It is not like you escape to the countryside. Um, it's like it a is, gray, like apocalyptic <laughs> landscape. Yeah. Of just or, crashed or an cars. unformed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's part of what makes this very different than the, the ending of 08th MS team is because um, it's not just about escaping the system, but it is about like, uh, trying to destroy that system in some way so that you can like create new space. Um, in, in the way that like, even at the beginning, we see the Academy more like broken down and, and in this like state than it is throughout the show. Um, it's like a continuation of that. Like we are like trying to break down the system and move through it. Um, and, and like get to a space where we can do something else. But I, what sh the like depiction of Shiro and I at the end of 08th MS team is not, here's the work that we must do to like build a new world. It is like, we got our right. little farm. We got our little like libertarian dream of a, uh, owning we're a just cottage. Going to live. Yeah. We're just going to live out our lives. Um, right. Cause we're, we've escaped. And that's not what this, that's not what's happening in Utena at all. It's just like, well, we're out here and now what do we do? We have to like, we have to try and make things. Um, 
Yeah. Which I, is um, more powerful to me, even though I do like Away with MS Team because I do think it is actually uh, critical of Shiro and Aina at the end. I do think that that entire final episode is being critical of their stance, even as it is like to some degree showing like, but there is still like hope in that someone can't escape from the system of like war and atrocity. Um, right. The very fact that they can't escape is like some, there's some hope, but I, the critique is contained with it. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think and, what, and perhaps the like small critique contained in this is just like, well, what is there? You just have to build something new. Like there isn't, there isn't a utopia to escape to. Uh, the utopia is a thing that you must like work on and create yourself. Yeah. And I, I think, I think for me, the biggest similarity is like, so, I mean, you've seen the film like more times than I have, so you might, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, after they escape, I feel like it's kind of the ending sequence um, as part of these ending sequences, like we see people still like at the Academy, right? Like we see mm-hmm. like Wakaba still at the Academy. Yes, um, I believe so. Yeah. And like, for me, I, th- I think there's this sense of like, these like systems of like violence and oppression are like so large um, and, and beyond our power to like, correct. I mean, there absolutely is that in a MS team. Like, yeah. Like we can't reform this. And Utena, like there, there's also like, you know, they're not reforming the Academy. They're like leaving it. And, and you, you can argue. And I think, I think this is a, I think you're right. Like, there's some like they're carving a path out. Um, they're like paving that path out of it. Um, but there's a lot of people like left behind in there. Um, and like my sense, at least, which is fully debatable, um, is that like the academy is still, you know, gonna go on behind them. Um, but like, of course, it's not, you know. Utena and Anthony, like, um, can they or should they, like, take it on themselves to reform the Academy and make that space, like, you know, this utopian space? Who knows? Um, but I, I think, like, the question is still at play of, like, well, this sense of, oh, we can't reform this structure. So we need to, like, escape from it somehow. And, like, yes, like, people are still, like, the, you know, the fact of the matter being like people are still back there. Um, people are still like left behind um, or maybe not like to use that term. Cause there's a moral charge to it, but like people are still back there and living in that. Um, and like, um, you know, there's a tension there for me um, that while I think all the things you're saying are like, are right. And um, like, I, am um like elated by when i watch the film um i do i I still think there's kind of a tension there in that yeah i and i think the thing that makes this more optimistic and hopeful to me is that specifically the thing that is talked about is the like building of roads which implies Mm -hmm. the the building of like more paths uh of like you know if escaping this involves this like 
motion and change symbolized by a car that like specifically what they are talking about is building roads both where they can go but also presumably where people can follow um yeah and and that is building roads is suggesting the creation of infrastructure for something else new um in a way that what we see in the ms team does not um suggest that that's like at all what shira and aina are doing um mm-hmm. you know th- this yeah uh, roads are specifically uh infrastructure that we build not just for ourselves but for others um yeah to be used yeah um they are one of the most simple and old forms of just like public infrastructure <laughs> that exists um and that literally like the you know very beginning of roads is literally people just walk the same path long enough that like plants <laughs> wouldn't grow as much there. And so you would have a path that you could walk that would be easier and wouldn't be overgrown with like foliage. Um, and then that like gets expanded to other forms of, of, you know, creating this infrastructure that's beyond just enough people walk the same way. Um, but like, right. It is this, we, I joked, this was, this was fully a joke, but like <laughs> Autumn and I were watching this and we got to the movie and I said, uh, Utena is a prequel to Death Stranding. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Yeah. The, the walking simulator. Yeah. Uh, the walking um, simulator, simulator about building roads in a like post-apocalyptic landscape. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's great. Yeah, I gotta. We gotta work that into the metaphysics of the show somehow. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, no, I just I mean, like the world where um, instead of, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? My brain wanted to say Hideaki Anno, and it's no Kojima. Um, yeah, Kojima. Where uh, Kojima's work is just like v- people talk about being very clearly influenced by. Uh, Ikuni and not like Ano and Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think Kojima is the celebrity who who has come up most on on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, all he I'm came saying, up in our uh, our second game coverage too. Yeah, all I'm saying is I <laughs> want they, Kojima to make a, a anime that's dealing with uh, bear attacks and lesbianism. <laughs> you know. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I no, I think that's a, um, a a great point that you make. And also, like, I mean, we see with, uh, you know, Sionji and Miki and Juri uh, on the road, like, who, you know, who save, like, Anthe uh, and Utena, you know, they're also, like, trying to escape. Um, and it's not shown if they do or not, but like, you know, we see that people are like trying to take this path and to escape and, and, but the implication being that like, you know, people will follow, um, like Anthony and Nutano, you know, once they've done this, um, it's not to the extent of like, you know, Anthony and Nutano being like, oh, we're going to like go back and like pull you all out, um, or like, we're going to go back and, and like reform this place. Um, but like, you know, is that really possible given like everything else that we've like seen and discussed and the abuses that they've endured? Um, like, 
you know um yeah like perhaps yeah, part of the part of the question of this movie too is like reform seems far more easy when reform is you kill akio um yeah and when you kill akio mm-hmm. and still the systems like remain and are just perpetuated like spread out by different people that becomes a far more difficult thing to say like how do we reform this where perhaps you reach the point where you say like we have to just break out of this and try and build something new and like mm-hmm. try to create the past to get there um yeah it's almost like you have to just like buy an oil rig in the middle of the ocean and uh no. Form your own, uh, no. Form your own, form your own mercenary company. I was gonna go uh, in the no. direction of uh, kill all the rich people and disperse their money and create a new system of governance, but <laughs> but yeah, like you know, um, at the end of the series, I felt very like, oh yeah, I liked that ending. I was like, you know, um. I enjoyed that ending, but I definitely, like, on some level, it was very nice to have, like, the movie end with, and then the girls kiss, and they ride away in, like, you know, their cool bullshit car, and they're naked, and it's great, and, like, everything works out well for them, like, and I know, I I know in my head that the movie ends, like, a lot less, like, fairy tale happily ever after than that but it was very nice to see these two get some like some just some version of that at least you know Mm. yeah um um also yeah it's just nice that there's a bunch of we get multiple kisses including the kiss at the end um every time i was cheering (laughs) (laughs) Um, do we have any final thoughts or do we want to, do we want to wrap this up? We are at the three hour mark now. Some of that will get cut. You know, you know what? Usually when we do these three hour shows, it feels like exhausting. I feel good. You know, like I'm out of steam on this movie in particular, but we could go another 45 minutes about something else. (laughs) Nora just has a look in her eyes. I said that. I was like, oh God. (laughs) You've gotten accustomed to recording with me now. I don't. Um, yeah, discussing Utena is invigorating. Mm. Um, it's such a fascinating show that, like, there's, like you said at the top, there's so much in the in the show and in the film. Yeah, and you can just think about like it's one of those series that you can just think about forever. Yeah, um, and uh, we've talked about it for like what fifteen hours, twelve hours now. Um, probably like 15 and I, probably yeah. as long and, as the actual show and film are <laughs> <laughs> probably yes if yeah. not longer what? Um, while and, we have uh, been talking I have finished watching the movie a second time <laughs> that that actually makes sense yeah. <laughs> um, this episode is currently is twice the length of the movie yeah how how was it how was it watching the the movie while we talked about it uh you know what uh, i was less taken with it the second time but i was having a conversation the entire time so you know i wasn't really like keyed in 
Yeah. Uh, well, it, listeners, don't watch it a second time. That's the takeaway. No. Nope. Nope. Just, <laughs> no. Just watch it once, have a great experience, and then never do that. <laughs> no. Um, I feel I feel like we're done here. Shall we? Shall we wrap it? Yeah. yeah. Let's let's wrap um, it. We should have done this before we hit record. Are are we all good to record on Sunday, the thirtieth of January? Oh, the thirtieth. That's plenty of time. Yeah, uh, that's for fine. the the question bucket. Assuming, just, f- assuming your Sundays are like they have been. Yes. Which who knows? The, yeah. You know, they might they might be moving me to a different store right around that time. I have no idea. But assuming I continue to work Sunday mornings like I have the last two weeks, and I am working next week, it'll probably be fine. Okay. So I will I will say here, um, dear listener, please write into our question bucket, write into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. That is going to be the uh, next episode that will appear in this feed, and we'll be recording in approximately a week. Uh, most likely it will be Sunday, January 30th, so that's like the deadline to get in emails. Um, but I would also say um, maybe get them in a little bit earlier if... Uh, you you really are concerned and also check like Twitter accounts. I might also when I upload this, I'll I'll put in the like show notes if it's if we already know that it's going to be a different date. Um, but chances are we'll be recording January 30th. So that is uh, the deadline. I, I apparently have my schedule out through that day and no, we will not be recording January on January 30th. <laughs> OK, um, psych. <laughs> is Saturday better? Saturday, I'm off work for some reason. They only scheduled me four days that week, so Saturday's amazing. <laughs> okay, I think that my parents will not be here anymore in the evening, so um, Saturday, January 29th, we'll plan to <laughs> record You just lost a day, so get yeah. your questions yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the like worst case scenario if stuff has to move is maybe that Friday if you have that Friday off because yeah I've got Thursday Friday Saturday off so okay um um I just posted right. my schedule in the usual spot if you want to look at it so yeah I'll check it out but so we'll we'll plan to record uh Saturday the 29th um cool. and again the email is ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to write in, obviously, about anything related to Utena. Um, I don't know if we're really... I think we might be ditching some of the... Um, no. <laughs> we're not recording on 4-7-2047, Connor. Um, we might where be ditching... You, where did you get that from? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, we might be ditching some of the... Um, like we're bringing stuff to the the show because we will be talking about the manga, um, and I'm sure we'll we'll have more to discuss. So, um, yeah. Now it's tw- it's twenty thousand four hundred and seventy. Um, thank you to the X Four Audio Network. Go to X Four Audio <laughs> to check out a bunch of other podcasts. Do you want to do the, the spiel about different podcasts? Yeah. Bottom. So they're you your podcasts. To- you can go to exportodd.io. That's got a list of all the podcasts and URLs that will take you to the free feeds, hopefully, ideally. Um, we got the back end of the Export Audio Network is in a little bit of disarray, and we will hopefully be working on fixing that. <clears throat> um, anyway, 
if you don't want to deal with uh, all the confusing free feeds, uh, you could just give us a dollar a month and get access to most of the shows early. You get stairwells early. You get hot singles early. You get um, Bag End Book Club and others, Ars Arcanum. Gotham City Limits. Gotham City Limits. I think that's everything. I think that's all five, but I yeah. might be missing something. Anyway, <clears throat> and you can give us $5 a month. Um, here in the next couple days, Nora and I have to watch an episode of Supernatural and record a podcast about it. It's gonna, uh, because we do Pop Town Funk, a podcast where we, um, roll random Funko Pops and have to, like, watch movies or play video games, uh, based on those Funko Pops, so. Yeah. Um, Um, that's the $5 tier, and, um, it's the dumbest podcast I make, but I think that makes it the best one, so. Yeah. Uh, it, I just want to make a note cause it comes out. So pop town funk is what the seventh and the 21st of every month. Yep. Cause we didn't want to do the first and the 15th. <laughs> yeah. Which means that if you're listening to this episode right now, it is Friday, January 21st. Go right now to exportodd.io to go to the Patreon, give the $5 and hear that episode. You don't have to yeah. wait at all. It's there. Maybe it'll be a slightly later wow. today because I don't know if you'll have it up by by seven. Maybe it's already there because you uploaded it at like twelve oh two because you edited it, like, and then just uploaded it that night. But it'll be up at some point. It'll be up. Give yeah. the money now. I don't know what I don't. I don't know what y'all are even still listening for. Go <laughs> give five dollars. <laughs> listen you're, to Pop Town Funk. You're still listening to to hear this bit, which is uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Write a great Set review your about VPN how great stuff is. Yeah, change your <laughs> VPN to Canada before you do this. Two twenty and climbing. Um, so that we can we can be the number one TV and film uh, podcast in Canada. <laughs> um. Also, shouts out to Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, pray for me. I'm going to have uh, quite a, a lot of editing on my plate for um, this podcast because I think so we're doing this and I have to do a short turnaround. Then we're doing the question bucket and I have to do a short turnaround. Uh, we then have a month break, but then we're back for um, the Ghost in the Shell first movie, second movie. I'm going to have to do quick turnarounds on those. So, um, yeah, this is this is the most like. I have to record and have something up in a, a week that normally happens on ghost diapers. Um, anyway, you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod. You can follow me at Fox Omnia. Where can people follow you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Revelace or a B B L E A I S. And where can people follow you autumn at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, and you can also follow me at Garfield Allowed to see me read Garfield Allowed into a camera. Um, I recorded one while, uh, I guess it was, it was during a bathroom break. It was not when Connor was fixing his internet. Um, it was just a, a long Oh, no, I was break. present for it. Yeah. Yeah, I was present for it. Um, I also, for those of you who are going to listen to the, the post-ending section, you'll get to hear me reading uh, Heathcliff Allowed. Um and I, nobody makes fun of any part of it at all. Um, yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> y'all need to say bye. Bye, y'all. See you next time. Autumn, you need to say bye. <laughs>
I already said bye. What are you talking about? We're not leaving until you say bye. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs>
Uh, do we want to do a final time dot is clap? Time yeah. dot was. Um, I especially want to do that right now, just given the internet. After everything. Rebels, so, yeah. 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 Sorry again about that. No worries. It happens, especially on times to... that we don't record Saturdays. So. I know it's <laughs> it's cursed. I I'm like, I really want to get a router. Like I need to get a new router. I'm gonna get because the way my because the way my like house is. Um, and where my like computer is in relation to the router is not so good. I really need to get one of those massive like UFO routers that's definitely just gonna like that has such insane like throughput. It's just gonna give me cancer. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, um, then we'll solve all those problems. I I and am I'm not gonna worry about what happens in 30 years. I am uh, slightly glad. I mean. That whatever's going on with your schedule is a little weird, Autumn. But the nice thing about it is that we won't be recording Sunday, which means, uh, just given the way that this podcast works, there'll be no audio issues. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. Um, yeah, maybe by that I time mean, I'll have my my nuclear power plant installed. Here's um, the here's the thing. <laughs> Is that schedule for me is amazing if on each of those days I can find a way to stay an extra fifteen minutes and get my extra hour, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or if, you know, Mark just calls me on like Thursday and is like, Oh hey, so and so couldn't come in, you know. Like if I can just pick up a little extra time, like I would be happy to take an extra day off, you know? Yeah. Um so. Um Time dot is. Time dot is. Okay. All right, let's do 47. 47? That's so <laughs> far away. <laughs> all right, I just want to make sure you all were paying attention. Um, we'll, do, uh, we'll do 35. Okay. So time dot is clap. Of course I'm paying attention. Well, you know, I, I can never know that for sure. That's why I got to keep you on your toes. <laughs> I am a professional, Connor. I'm not. 
Um, do we have any final goofs or japes? I'm so um, sleepy, dude. I want to go smoke weed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You sounded well, uh, so disappointed <laughs> in me. <laughs> yeah, f- far be it for me to. Uh... Hold on, I gotta sneeze. <laughs> oh. Far be it for me to delay that any a second longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I got I got to get up early for work tomorrow, so I, I should sleep too. Okay. Bye. Later right, y'all. See y'all. I'm hitting record. So I Mike. also hit record. Uh we'll also <sighs> do a time that is clap just especially for three audio files. Yeah. Yeah. We are three audio files, aren't we? Yeah. (laughs) Shut the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, We actually are three audio files right now. Yeah. Um, You know, like, in terms of, you know, we're becoming audio files and we are audio files. We are yeah. always becoming audiophiles. That, that's yeah. true. That that's also true. Um, <laughs> just given the frequency of you know yeah. of, of recording at this point. Okay. Um, <laughs> two nights ago, uh, Autumn, you wore my headphones. What did you think of them? Just on the topic of um, becoming audiophiles. I I thought they were nice. I like my headphones better, but of course, I like my headphones better. I'm used to them. You know. Mm. Yeah. But we can all agree that flack is is superior, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely prefer black headphones to the like fake wood grain of uh mine. Mine's oh, no, not I, I said, wood I, grain. I said flack, like F L A C, like lossless. <laughs> Autumn, mine is literally actually wood. Okay, well, I still think it looks way tackier than just black plastic. No, it's so the wood actually like is part of the sound. <laughs> hmm. Um, like it's involved in the way that it creates sound. That's why it's wood. I'm. It's not I'm just sure for you looks. can also tell the difference between an MP3 and a FLAC. I'm That's very amazing. happy for you. Yeah. How do they fig- <laughs> How do they make? How do they figure out how to make sound go through a block of wood? Um, no one's ever done that. It's the same <laughs> principle behind why they make like string instruments out of wood and not metal or plastic. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, it's just like a solid block of wood, right? <laughs> There's just like two blocks, and then they have, a, and then they're attached somehow. It's it's pure yeah, wood. definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I just think the I just think the wood is so glossy that it looked fake. That's all. Oh yeah. Well, it's because they put stuff over it to protect the wood. Did you check it? Like you would with, Did like, you, say, to... like, have you ever seen a a guitar? Autumn. I what do, I what do they played put on guitar, the guitar and violin for many years. They're very glossy, but not like those headphones. All I'm, are. All I'm saying is, did you verify? <laughs> did you verify? <laughs> yes, I did not. For all I know, Nia is making this up right now. No, they're literally wood headphones. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll trust you. Um, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of there's so a lot the of thing bad is, information out there. Autumn, you didn't actually listen to anything on these, but like 
it does add like a warmer tone. It's really good for like acoustic stuff. It also works well for for electronic music, but um, especially if you're listening to like older recordings, it's really nice. See, I thought you could. I, I thought you could only listen to acoustic on on wood headphones. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't know they were compatible yeah. with electronic. With, yeah, with electronic. no bony there for you. No Daft Punk on the wood headphones. Um, it will warm Those up are my the, two... the tones a little bit, but <laughs> those are the two uh, electronic musicians I could think of first. Apparently, is Bon Iver and Daft Punk. <laughs> when you said Bon Iver, I was like, yeah, like acoustic. <laughs> I was just, like, like thinking, like you know, early Bon Iver. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, we haven't clapped yet. We haven't clapped yet. Um. All right, let's let's go ahead and do that. Um, I know Neve is enjoying us making fun of her headphones. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I probably have the nicest headphones of anybody here. Oh, I'm very okay. happy for you. Now it's a now it's a competition. <laughs> um, let's do forty five nine forty five. Wait, <laughs> was that, that was too fast. Wait. Wait. I was like, <laughs> I was let's like, do, wait. I was like, wait, wait, eight forty nine forty five. What the fuck oh, are you talking about? God, we oh. do it on the second Connor. The the time change, yeah, or the time difference. Well, um, and also normally you say the seconds, and I was like, wait, forty five. Well, that's but that's why that's why this is my responsibility because I do such a good job. Um, keep you on your toes. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's do 47. 47. 47. 47. Or were we supposed to do it on 47, 47? Like 47 minutes and 47 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. You're um, supposed, we're to, supposed do it to do it 47 minutes from now. We're supposed to do it on April 7th, 2047 at, at 947.47. I'm going to be real with you. If we're still recording this podcast in 2047, I'm going to be a little upset. (laughs) Movie's 90 minutes long. It doesn't take that. You mean this episode or like this podcast? (laughs) This episode episode. of this podcast. That would be, that would be, yeah. um, That would be kind of amazing. That would mean that we just spent 25 years. Yeah. That's that's the word. Uh, that's when Ghost Divers just becomes performance art, and we're like, yeah, we have this twenty-five year long episode comes out on Friday. Uh, we would need a like massive hard drive just to record that. Well, but twenty-five years from now, we'll have like quantum computing or whatever, which we'll is shifted yeah. over to the to the to twenty-five the, years to the quantum. Twenty-five cloud. years from now, you'll be getting the podcast as we are recording the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It'll just be a life. <laughs> We've just reinvented radio. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, do we want to get into the episode, or do we have more goofs and japes to get out? What I've got one goof. Yeah, perhaps a jape. Um, it's Lin Manuel's Lin Manuel Miranda's birthday. If y'all wanted to say anything for him. 
Um, I'm. I wish more people had reacted to me retweeting that uh, video of the robot trying to learn how to express emotions and said, "I can't believe they made a robot that does Lin Manuel Miranda selfies." <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, I don't have anything to say, unfortunately. Okay. I just saw it on Twitter and thought I'd throw it out there. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't have any japes. Okay. What about goofs? I might have some goofs for later. I'm really not a big fan okay. of japes. <laughs> You're anti japes. Yeah. <laughs> goofs, goofs only. Okay. Um, I guess I will start the podcast. Okay. Also, before I do this, apolog- there's a part where I'm going to do a thing. Apologies if the audio gets completely fucked. I hope it doesn't. But Wow. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled. I want to know what that's about. <laughs> um, oh, also, let me do this. <laughs> Just in case. Craig loves are the you gonna, Hey, part. Craig. Are you going to try out your wooden microphone? <laughs> no. <laughs> Although I'm sure it would add a different timber. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. A timber. Yeah. Get it like timber. Yeah. Anyway. And like timber is wood. Oh, like timber like wood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That went over my head. I gotta be real with you. Hello okay. and welcome. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Go for it. You're good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, hello, and All welcome right, just one to... Do you get one more thing? No, no, I, that was it. Oh, that, that was the thing. Okay. I am back. Okay, so am I. Um, Autumn's not back yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little something here. <laughs> okay, that's always good. So, um, for the, the title today, uh, so it is, uh, like snowy, it's, it's outside. So there's some white snow on the ground, um, with kind of like a little bit of like a, um, you know, the, we've got a sense of like some hills or some like build up of snow in certain areas. Um, and it's, uh, so that's like white at the bottom. There's no like line separating the snow from the sky, uh, but the sky is sort of a, a sky blue here. Um, and then there's like white you know, dots for the, the snow falling. Um, and on the left, we can see John who's wearing um, like brown loafers, um, a slightly darker brown and a little bit less um, like warm toned uh, brown pants. Um, then a jacket that's like fairly similar to the brown of his loafers. Um, and it is, I think it's the zipper. There's like a silver zipper in the front. Um, and uh, 
you know, is kind of facing to the left, but has his head turned looking over his shoulder to the right. Um, and has like a snowball stuck on his head. Um, and his like arms are kind of pulled up with the, his hands. Um, and he's got like the circles drawn around, around his pupils with his like mouth pulled way out into kind of a, a surprised pout. Um, and it almost looks like he's got some like five o'clock shadow, which is unusual for John. Um, but he's looking then. So then in the middle, it says Garfield just in white text. Um, and then on the, the right side, uh, there's a snowman, uh, which is sort of the, the three piled up um, snowballs. Uh, there's like sticks uh, stuck in t- for the arms um, and, uh, you know, coal. So like three buttons in the middle one. Um, and then the face has a carrot nose, two pieces of coal for the eyes. And then like, um, let me see seven for the smile um and garfield is hiding behind the snowman um kind of like back up against the snowman uh looking like with his pupils towards john but kind of facing to the right um with a big smile on his face and there's a a stack of um six snowballs like next to him so you know uh garfield through the snowball I'm going to download this because that'll be the now I have to do the actual panels. So for the uh, first panel here, uh, so the table is blue. Um, the wall behind is kind of like a lilac or lavender purple. Um, and Garfield standing on the table on the left, uh, just sort of like hunched over a little bit because he's looking down at the the bowl of food that John's holding um, and has like wide eyes, but a small, you know, upside down V mouth um, and is thinking what? Um, and the bowl of food is uh, sort of a lime green and says Garfield on it and has the, the brown food on it. Um, and then, you know, John is holding it on the, the right, um, sort of holding the food in between uh, him and Garfield um, and is wearing a, a light blue button up um, and just has like, you know, eyes, eyelids lowered, um, small mouth, uh, very like basic face. Um, second panel. Uh, the one change here is Garfield's kind of put his arms akimbo um, and has like big angry eyes and his mouth like pulled up into a, a kind of grimace. Um, and Garfield says, are you uh, and then kidding in bold me question mark exclamation point. Um, this is an outrage. And then outrage is also bold. Um, and then two uh, exclamation points. Third panel, it just says splot in really big letters um, that are so black with like white outline. I mean, kind of cartoonishly drawn. Um, then fourth panel, uh, Garfield is gone and John has the bowl of food like stuck on his face with like the food going back and his hair is just drawn back as a bunch of, um, you know, lines. Uh, but he still has his like hands in place. There's also a little bit of food on the table behind him. Um, fifth panel, uh, Liz enters. She's wearing a sweater, uh, that is sort of like a purple, purplish pink, um, and like turquoise stripes. Um, and she's not wearing an earring. Um, and she has a neutral look on her face and is carrying a yellow mug. Um, and she's just looking at John. Um, the next panel is identical, but no action lines for Liz entering. Um, she's just standing there staring at John. And then final panel, she opens her mouth to speak and says, um, forgot the lemon wedge again, didn't you? With a question mark. And John says, you'd think I'd learn.
Oh, I guess autumn will be slightly longer. Okay, no worries. <clears throat> I can't believe you did Garf Riatalude in the uh, in the middle of Ghost Divers. I do it sometimes. I think it's funny to do it sometimes. Um, often I'll do it if you're gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I feel like that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless there's unless there's internet trouble, which I've had a couple scattered incidences of tonight. But there, yeah, there was a moment where you. I think it was you, but yeah, I think you like kind of cut out for a moment, but yeah, I saw it and I was like, ah, fuck. Um, But it was synopsis. So it was also like, eh, you're recording it. Autumn and I know the synopsis. Um, If it kept happening when we were discussing, then I would be more like, um, we should try and figure this out, Connor, but it seems like it's fine now. Knock on wood. Oh yeah, knock on your headphones. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. Well, actually, I do. I do have some wood over here. Um. So I think it'll be. I think it'll be okay. But um, if it starts being weird, then I'll I'll say something. Um. The thing with Garf Red Aloud is that it does require me to hold my phone up in the air, which does just sometimes make my arm kind of tired. Especially when mm-hmm. I do Sunday comics, because they're longer. Yeah, that took a minute to, to do all of that. Yeah. I almost always have to do um, the title as its own thing, because there's just like detail put into that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um which other ones don't even have a title, but there's like a, a title that spans two two panel worth. Um, and then, sorry, I just I just had like a my brain just went for like five seconds. My brain just went way elsewhere, <laughs> um, like deep in thought about. I just I had a thought about um, <laughs> the ending of the movie, and my brain was like. You're going to focus 100% on that for the next 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then for sometimes for the the Sunday strip itself as well, I have to break it into two um, if they're like varying up motions more. Um, but this one, like the changes between panels were were fairly small, so I could I could mm-hmm. do them faster. Yeah. Um, It sounded like a it sounded like a good one, pretty funny comic. Yeah, they're never funny. No. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting for. Uh, I know how much you love you love Garfield. Um, this one I'm not going to record. This one's just for you, and also maybe Autumn if they they get back in time. Um, today's Heathcliff. Uh, one thing with mm. reading Heathcliff is that, like, there's just a lot more attention to drawing each panel. There's a lot less, like, copying and pasting between panels, which makes if I if I'm trying to actually describe all the details, um, it makes it a lot harder. But there's just more effort. It's just a funnier, better comic. Um, but anyway, uh, Sunday with Heathcliff, um, and it's you know Heathcliff standing under uh, like 
um, spotlight coming from above um, with like kind of the white outline of the, the um, like curtains, you know, like sort of on a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so then first panel, uh, Heathcliff is sort of standing uh, facing towards the right and looking up at uh, like a fairy godmother that, you know, is also an orange cat um, and is flying next to Heathcliff with like a little trail of sparkles and a, a wand and a like blue fairy godmother outfit with like a little cape and things um, and like a pointy hat. Um, second panel is just like Heathcliff, like the panel is framed. So it's just like Heathcliff's head, uh, you know, sticking up from the bottom up, like kind of small in the frame um, and just like smiling contently. Um, I really enjoyed this panel. It just like, it adds like a nice vibe to it. Um, then uh, puts you in a good headspace. Yeah. Uh, third panel. So like Heathcliff is still like smiling contently and walking along the sidewalk, uh, with the fairy godmother, we can kind of see like some, some trees and houses in the background. Um, and then the next panel, uh, Heathcliff stops and sort of like points up and is, is looking at the fairy godmother who's looking at Heathcliff. Um, and then the next panel, um, the fairy godmother like swirls her wand and points at the ground and we get like you know, a a cloud on the ground and it says poof. Um, And then uh, we see that uh, like on the street right next to the sidewalk, uh, um, garbage can has appeared. Uh, There's still like some like magic poof around it. Um, And like Heathcliff's like jumping up in the air with his like hand celebrating Uh, the fairy godmother is like smiling, you know, content with her her um deed here uh then we get like the excited shot of heathcliff who um you know finger up in the air like another one kind of over um jumping up with like one one leg kind of pulled up uh it's a very fun pose um and is uh tossing the the trash can which you kind of get like a swirling action line um and landing like face down so all the trash is just going over the floor or all over the street um there's like you know a little uh fish skeleton and like some paper and a bone um and then we see it like sitting on the the street um garfield is sitting on top of the the trash can uh with all you the, just called the trash you just around. called heathcliff garfield or heathcliff you called I'm so him used garfield to- I'm so used to doing Garfield read aloud. I'm so used to doing Garfield read aloud. Wow. Wow. Fake fan. Fake fan. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Heathcliff has uh, the the fish skulls in his mouth and the fairy godmother says. What does Garfield have? um, (laughs) Garfield doesn't have anything because Garfield sucks. Heathcliff has the the fairy godmother says it's not difficult being his fairy godmother. Um... There's just so much it's more going character in the than Nora this audio folder. What is wife? Where the Nora audio folder of Bag End Google Drive? Yeah, there's a Bag End Book Club Google Drive, and there's going in the Nora audio folder. What is? Where's the wife going? Hmm? Where's the wife going? The wife's going on Ghost Divers. Podcast one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going fully podcast build right now. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna play video game melody. I love you too. Um, Hi, Kitty everybody. Corner. Um, <laughs> Juliana of Holly Springs, North Carolina says her cat Milo loves playing tag, where they take turns chasing each other around. 
Okay, um, before we keep going, I'm going to reboot my shit because it's it's cutting out a lot and I just don't want to. Okay. I want to take this moment to, to reboot it. Okay, give me one second. Sorry, Can't believe you're being mean to me. Yeah, I'm never mean to you. That's one of the defining features of our friendship is that I'm never mean to you. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe you are mean to me. Mm-hmm. 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 How does that make you feel? Uh, sad. <laughs> I'm crying right now. Okay, that's good. I'm crying. My- <laughs> On main, I have two Twitter accounts with notifications turned on, and it's Heathcliff and Garfred Aloud, which makes my, like, going to this tab just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still uploading the second Garfred Aloud. There were two Garfred Alouds. Oh, I only have one here, yeah. Yeah, it's still uploading the second. It's taking forever. Because Sundays just take so long. Or Sundays, like, more than three panels, four panels. Oh, you're dropping out now. Am I the problem? No, I'm not. You might be the problem. Am I the problem? You're not dropping out for me at all. I, like, I'm always everything. saying that about you. That's true. Um, what the hell? Yeah, you're not dropping out for me at all. I mean, maybe it's because I was uploading back in for a second that I... Was cutting out? Oh, maybe. now you're gone. Hi. Or no, I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. No, you hear I me? got the little Discord boom, like oh. someone leaving the call. No, that was Connor. Yeah, I realize yeah. that now. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep talking. And you tell me if I cut out at any point. I'm just gonna say a lot of stuff. You haven't cut out. You haven't cut out too much. Okay, uh, too much. You cut I mean, out a little bit a few minutes ago. What the hell? Did Connor pass his cursed audio on to me? He must have. Um, I like that they animated the scan lines onto um, the videotape. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just how it was back in the day. We're going to watch Serial Experiments Lane. That's an entire mm-hmm. anime about animating the scan lines onto it. <laughs> um... I was going to say, this is the 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 videotape of Nanami as a cow is also the only appearance of those three um, those three guys who go oh 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 yeah they're like tied to Nanami though yeah I didn't expect them to show up I didn't expect Suwabuki to show up you know I like how you'd say Suwabuki. I say Suwabuki because Nanami in the episodes is always saying, Suwabuki! Yeah, you you always say it like you are calling him to come, like, tend to you. You always go, Suwabuki! Yeah. 
but normally it would just be Tuabuki. Yeah. Because there's, I don't know. there's I just, no, I just... there's no accented. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I like know that in my head, but I just say it how Nanami says it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, this also, is also the... I looked it up today. It, Akira it, does like... have a different voice actor in the film. <clears throat> okay. Um, what is it? The one who did Dios, or is it just okay, back. you? You know, I didn't check that part. Let me look. Uh, I'm back, and both of you sound much better. Uh, okay, so, I love to hear that. Yeah, I am. We love to hear it. <laughs> um, um, okay, yeah. So um, I'm good. Sorry. About okay. That. Um, I believe um, that the person who plays Akio in the film is a totally new actor. He did not play Dios or Akio in the TV show. Okay. That's not surprising. That actually makes sense now, now that I'm thinking about it. You don't really get a lot of Akio dialogue, though. So it's kind of... No, you don't. But when you do get Akio dialogue, I had a little trouble discerning at first that it was Akio between the new voice and the redesign. It like yeah. took me a minute to key into, oh, that's who that character is. Okay. Yeah. On that initial phone call, it is a little jarring. It's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah that's the part uh, where you feel it the most. Because that's the part where you would just expect the voice to sell it. You know? Yeah. yeah. That, um, that is, like, so jarring as, like, I thought... On rewatch, I wondered if maybe that was like the point of like, oh, let's get a new voice actor so that in this telephone scene you don't know who that is, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, there's a situation too where because it feels like it's more like it's like a, a higher register than like normal yeah. Akio and that's I was like is this like the Dios voice actor but um mm. but it, yeah not that either but like it honestly sounds more like Dios which I wonder if that's part of the intention yeah um, anyway do we want to get back into it yeah let's get let's back it. into it okay Do you want to take a, a quick bathroom break since audio has been kind of cutting in and out again? And I don't know if you have anything sure. to try. Yeah, Connor, Autumn, but re- remember your question. Yeah, we'll pick up there. To, I don't want to skip over. Oh it. yeah, yeah, yeah. That my question is like, let's go off on a new topic, so that'll be easy to keep in my mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We, if people don't have immediate responses to what I've said, um, let's just do the bathroom break and uh, come back, and we can start with that question. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'll uh, I'm just gonna reset my, my junk here and see if that helps. Um, it was going well for a while until like fifteen minutes ago. Yeah. Um have uh, have has anybody heard my audio cutting in and out? Autumn no, or Connor? It's been fine. Okay. I think it's just been mine. There's a small moment where you were cutting out Autumn, so part of me was wondering if it was the Discord thing, but especially if I've been fine. I don't mm. I don't know if it would be like the Discord channel. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna go pee. Okay. I will be back. Um, okay, I'm back. Hi. Hey. 
Sorry, so I, I hope all of that audio cutting didn't make it, like, too incoherent. No, I could follow you. Yeah. Okay. I was literally trying. I'm looking at my, like, internet icon, and when it would cut out, I would be like... My brain would just be like, okay, recalibrate, recalibrate. Um, and I would be like... As soon, like, trying to keep what I was saying, like, continuous and coherent. Um, but, like making sure to as soon as it came back on and I could like hear you all again to be like, how do I connect? I know where, I know where it cut out and I know where I'm about to like start again. And I want to make sure these two things connect. Um, (laughs) So I was literally trying to like make it as coherent as possible. You're doing like like, this mini bouts of vamping. (laughs) This is like the episode of, um, Important if true, where they lost Nick's audio, and so Nick, like, listened back to the episode and just, like, repeated all the things that he said so that the episode could be saved. (laughs) Oh my god. They had, like, some version of it that was, like, completely unlistenable. Like, it was, like, impossible for, like, you know... Even, like, Chris Remo, necessarily, to, like, make out what was being said. It was, like, listeners would not be able to understand what is being said. But there was still, like, an audio that I think Jake could listen to. and Or not Jake. Um, Nick could listen Nick. to. Um, and, like, remember what he said there and then say it. Incredible. Um, it was also, though, so funny because it came uh, after they had talked about, like, what if we just started replacing hosts with, like, AI robots? And so then, like, that episode <laughs> comes out and it's just like, are they just saying this to cover up how the AI Nick sounds weird? <laughs> we just we just fed the AI, like, all over podcasts and, yeah. and had it spit back out. <laughs> this person's role. Um, anyway... Do we want to start with your question? Or do you do we want to start with the little thing that I noticed that I just mentioned to you, Autumn? Yeah, yeah, because I can. I think I can. You know, expert podcaster like seg the thing that you said into the thing that I am just like wanting to post to everybody. I guess. Nice. Okay. 